Morning, New York sports fans. I'm Danielle McCartan. McCartan, after midnight, we'll be talking all things New York sports with you until 6 a.m. on this early Saturday morning or perhaps late Friday night. If you're still in self-quarantine or at a bar with limited capacity or maybe you're just on a ride share home, I have the one, the only, Pat Boyle behind the glass for me tonight. And he's ready, willing, and able to take your phone calls tonight. So, Business as usual, everybody. You guys know the number, 877-337-6666. Please, your best content only. Also, I'm coming to you live from the Mike Francesa studio in lower Manhattan. Looks a little different than the last time I've been in here, which was um, March 21st. It feels so good to be back. And the last time we talked, it was just an entirely different world. And, and as it pertains to the sports world, which that's what we're here to talk we didn't even know we were going to have a baseball season or any other season um, for, for that matter. And here we are. Um, game five for the Yankees just finished up. We've got NBA finals going on at the same time. I mean, it is just a crazy, crazy time for sports. And here we are on a night where the Yankees in the race with their reignited bad blood, benches clearing history, squared off in an ALDS game five in a neutral site. San Diego, Petco Park, beautiful stadium, by the way, in a semi-bubble atmosphere. The game had all the drama leading up to it. Yankees ace Garrett Cole pitched a gem in game one, was pitching on three days rest for the Yanks. Tyler Glasnow, who was fantastic in game two for the Rays, was only going on two days rest. Oh, boy, and what a game five it was. Glasnow's no hits over two and a third was eclipsed by Cole's one hit. Over five and a third. Aaron Judge, who hit a solo home run in the fourth inning, whose T-shirt I'm wearing tonight, was matched by Austin Meadows' home run in the fifth inning. And it was the only hit, ironically, that Garrett Cole allowed was that solo home run. Garrett Cole, guys, was as advertised this postseason. And the last batter that he faced, Brett Gardner, very calmly, might I add, made a dazzling jumping catch with his back literally Touching the wall to Rob Rosarina, who is clearly this series Yankee killer. And that was over the wall. That ball was gone if you were watching it. Everybody in that stadium thought it was gone. Well, funny, it's not everybody because there weren't really fans, but including Garrett Cole. He had to double check with Kyle Higashioka and he said, did he catch it? And of course he did. In the bottom of the eighth, this game was cracked open when Ray's Mike Brossauer hit a home run solo shot to left field off Aroldis Chapman, his first career postseason home run on a 10-pitch at-bat. However, earlier in that at-bat, don't forget that Chapman and, and me, I thought so too, that he had Brossauer rung up with a, with a, a looking. It was a low pitch. I don't know what pitch it was, but it was low in the strike zone, and, and Chapman thought he had him. The umpire disagreed. Mike Brosseau hits a game-winning home run. How romantic is baseball? Chapman's blazing hot, 100-miles-an-hour fastball barely missed Brosseau's head later earlier in the season. That, that's what's caused the, the, the benches to clear. That's what's caused manager Kevin Cash to threaten the Yankees with his stable of guys that can throw 98 miles an hour. Is it fair that we could start to question Chapman and his ability to get the out 
in the clutch situation in the postseason. Then you had Kevin Cash having Blake Snell and, and Morton warming up in the bullpen in order to close the door on the Yankees if needed. But he kept Diego Castillo, and this is how the last inning went, the last half went. Giancarlo Stanton struck out to begin the top of the ninth. Do we start to question his viability in this lineup again? After hitting all of those home runs in the games leading up to this point? Is it fair to even do that? I mean, he really, he didn't come through in a really important spot tonight. Luke Voigt, who still has not adjusted his plate approach, he tried to put a 1-1 pitch into orbit. Of course he missed it. His head was looking at the sky when he finished it. His helmet almost fell off. That at-bat, of course, ended in a strikeout. And then the impending win from, from the Rays was actually palpable as the last hope for the Yankees stepped to the plate. Gio Urshela. And just like that, you blinked and it was over. It was a line-out to third baseman Joey Wendell. And the ball was hit so squarely, so hard, that it almost went right through the webbing of his glove. Game over. Barsauer ends up being the hero. Post-game comments uh, to reporter Lauren Shahadi, you know, I kind of liked him, right? She asked him about uh, his approach. He said, I was just trying to get on, get the next guy up. That is the approach that is needed in New York from here on out. And she asked him again about, uh, about the revenge. He said, no revenge. We put that in the past. We're here to move on. So now the questions begin for Yankees universe. I've already talked about Giancarlo Stanton. Can the Yankees fairly outwardly question Aroldis Chapman's ability to shut the door in big spots? Is he truly a dominant closer? How could you possibly call that after Altuve's hits a walk-off home run last season? It sent the Yankees home in the ALCS. And how could you possibly call him that Bursell hits the game-winning home run off of him this year to send the Yankees home in the ALDS? And can the Yankees question Aaron Boone's managerial chops? After all, he didn't have any experience coming into the situation when the Yankees dumped Joe Girardi. Oh, man. Pat just passed me a note on the, on the screen here. I said Don Larson died. Whitey Ford. I'm so sorry. Whitey Ford. But can the Yankees fans start to question and call to dismantle the feast or famine approach at the plate? Free agency is going to show that. DJ LeMahieu with his base hit mentality, is going to be the most coveted free agent this season for sure. And let's see what the Yankees do about that. And if you're a Yankees fan, I know it hurts to hear this right this second. But I think you'd rather lose to the Rays in Game 5 than to the Astros. The Yankees did not have the pitching to beat the Astros this year. Let's just be honest. And to accentuate that point, I turn to the turning point of this series. When Aaron Boone tried to outraise the Rays, with that absolutely ridiculous starter, opener, reliever gimmick in game two. I called it, in a word, negligence. Why start now in the postseason with these shenanigans? Who thought that was a good idea? That's like me teaching the material one way and assessing it a completely different way. It doesn't work. A, J-Hap was put at a disadvantage from the get-go. Talk to any starting pitcher they're creatures of habit. If a guy has never or, or has rarely even been used in this capacity before, warmed up in the bullpen during any one, it's not putting them in a position to succeed. Also, Garcia can't be used again using an excess of pitchers. That's not a good idea when you'd be playing almost every day of the week 
throughout the ALDS and if you made it to the ALCS. Game two, the Yankees used six pitchers alone. And at that point, the Yankees could have been looking at 11 games through 12 days of that ACLS if it went to seven games. Newsflash, the Yankees don't have the bullpen for that, to sustain that. So tonight, I'm here to play therapist for the Yankee fan, unfortunately. And yes, the Jets have been stricken with COVID. And as they say nowadays, this is a fluid situation in an unprecedented time. So we'll get the latest information when we talk to Manish Mehta from the New York Daily News very soon. I do know that the, the Arizona Cardinals plane team, the team plane, took off around 6 p.m. last night. That information is courtesy of a Twitter account that I love to follow called at Sports Aviation. So they are making the cross-country trip. But what we do know is this. Let it run, let it run. I told you guys, I told you. Coming off a loss to the winless Broncos last week. Is that really a surprise that the Jets lost to yet another winless team? It's not the first time the Jets have lost to a winless team during Adam Guru's tenure. Adam Gase, of course. Last season's 0-7 Dolphins they lost to, and then again the 0-11 Bengals. Now this weekend, they'll welcome into MetLife Stadium a Cardinals team who doesn't quite know who they are just yet. Are they the air raid team that they thought they were when they extended DeAndre Hopkins for a $55 million deal total? Actually, he negotiated the deal by himself, by the way. He made himself the highest-paid non-quarterback in NFL history. Or are they the checkdown masters that averaged 4.3 yards per pass in last week's loss to the Panthers? And while the Cardinals are still figuring out, the Jets, unfortunately, do know who they are. Drag your finger down any offensive category, you name it. And you'll have to keep going to the bottom to find NYJ. 28th in efficiency, 30th in pressures allowed, 29th in quarterback hits allowed. I mean, just go down last in total yards, last in first downs, second to last in scoring. I mean, all that. And they've lost every game by two or more scores, two or more possessions. And guess what? After this Cardinals game, They're about to enter the most challenging portion of their schedule. And yet, after all of that, after everything we've seen played out with him in Miami, with him last season, with him, Adam Gase, this season, Christopher Johnson says things like, quote, I have full confidence in Adam. And he's got, quote, a brilliant offensive mind. And, quote, I think they will see success. This begs the question, most respectfully, Mr. Johnson, are you watching the same product that we all are? Because if you are, And you're saying things like that. You, too, are negligent. In this case, probably negligently ignorant. Jets fans deserve better. Oh, well, you'll stymie Sam Darnold's development, says the rebutter. Sam Darnold, who this season has thrown more interceptions than touchdowns, that one? Or the one that has three less touchdown passes than Justin Herbert, who's played in one less game than him? The same Sam Darnold who's tied for second to last in touchdown passes in the entire league. Or maybe the one that's tied for six most interceptions in the league. Or what about the Sam Darnold that's 25th in the league in passing yards? You, sir, or ma'am, are also watching the same product as Christopher Johnson. The Jets had the out after the Broncos game. Guru lost yet again to another winless team. His players have called him out in the media. And to that Sam Darnold crowd... He's sidelined with an injury that looks to be more than a week. 
it was plenty of time and perfect timing for Christopher Johnson, and he couldn't do it. Forget the Astros. Adam Guru might be the biggest beneficiary of having no fans in the stands. I haven't met a single Jets fan that likes him. Okay, you could join my bandwagon now, the one I started before the guy was even hired. I told you so, said Carrie Underwood, and I'm telling you so now. Nevertheless, we are here in New York City with two football teams that are absolutely winless at 0-4. Who gets their first win first? I'm going with the Giants, but not this week at the Dallas Cowboys. I'll tell them how you broke my heart. I just tell them that we grew apart. Certainly after 10 years, Jason Garrett and the Cowboys grew apart. And then they broke up. And listen, when you worked anywhere for 10 years, it's hard. It's heartbreaking to leave. Believe me, I know this. And if you want to add that to your Spotify, it's Logan Mize featuring Donovan Woods, Grew Apart. But heartbreak in this case turns to revenge. And like a double agent, Jason Garrett is spilling all the secrets. There's no doubt in my mind the Giants are going to be well prepared for their NFC East showdown. Can we, can we call it a showdown even? With the Dallas Cowboys. So the Giants are 0-4, but their 0-4 seems a lot different than the Jets 0-4. And if I had him uh, characterize that with an emoji, I'd assign the Giants the one with the red line pointing up in the line graph, and the Jets would get the blue line pointing down. So we could talk more Giants-Cowboys, of course. And then the Mets, finally, are poised to become the richest franchise in Major League Baseball. Money falling from the sky, boy, I'd be And that's Marin Morris, Rich, and the Mets are poised to be the richest franchise in all of baseball, presuming that the, the, the Stephen Cohen sale will go through, which it should. So with dollar signs in their eyes like the old cartoon days, especially in free agency, the Mets fans are throwing away the fast food menus they've been ordering off of in free agency, and they're taking a look at what a Michelin three-star three rated establishment looks like. Will it be Trevor Bauer? Didi Gregorius? So I see... Welcome to the new listeners, and welcome back to those that have been along for the ride. Let's hit all the calls. Everything's on the table for you guys. As always, I can't wait to talk with you. 877-337-6666. I'm Danielle McCartan. After midnight, on the fan. Listen to Giants football tomorrow as Big Blue heads down to Dallas to face the Cowboys. Kickoff is 425 with Giants game day at 210. Hi, this is Bob Papa. Join me along with Carl Banks and Howard Cross for all the play-by-play exclusively on your flagship station for Giants football. The Fan, Sports Radio 1019 FM and Sports Radio 66. WFAN and WFAN-FM. Working on a weekend like usual. Here we are, back here on the weekend. Daniel McCartan here with you on the fan in New York City. Here we go. Hopefully you guys aren't too turned up, focusing on what we're doing here. Um, We've got a lot of calls about the Yankees on hold, so so let's go Yankees first. You know, one of my favorite moments, and this has not yet been talked about, I don't know, anywhere really, but Game 5, one of my favorite moments was a Rosarina's bat flip. I mean, I'm trying to be positive, a little bit positive here for Yankee fans. I know I'm going to be play therapist momentarily. But one of my favorite moments was when a Rosarina, the hoodie hit that home run, the one that we talked about in the open that Brett Gardner robbed, the bat flip. Did you guys see a Rosarina's bat flip? It actually made me laugh out loud. He threw the bat. He stared into the dugout. And he was absolutely robbed by Brett Gardner. And that was the bottom of the sixth. Um, and Cole was pulled after 94 pitches, could not have asked for a better outing, in my opinion, you know, except for that Meadows home run. It was one mistake, and it was one pitch, and it ended up being one run, unfortunately, for him. That was the only hit against him. 
I mean, if you watch that game, you, he got out of a huge jam early on. It was bases loaded. And he got a strikeout of Wendell looking at the bottom of the zone. I thought that was yeah, a good move. <laughs> I mean, really? And and so the bases were, were, were jammed. That could have broken the game open right there in the first inning. Yet, Cole Avis advertised, got himself out of it. And then Zach Britton came in. And I just wanted to, to make a point of, of having Kyle Higashioka behind the plate versus Gary Sanchez. In big games, in pitchers like Zach Britton, who live literally in the bottom of the strike zone, you need to have a guy like Kyle Higashioka who blocks balls in the dirt over those like Gary Sanchez, who maybe the pitcher isn't so confident that the, that catcher is going to catch that ball in the dirt. So maybe he's not going to throw it in that, in that particular moment. And then throws another pitch and ends it ends it differently. So what I'm saying is I liked Kyle Higashioka in in catching for what was it three or four out of the five games. Um great move. And then now the Yankees have I guess more questions than answers at this point in time. One of them being Gary Sanchez is another question we can add to that list. Let's hit the calls. 877-337-6666 and let's go to the very loyal Kevin in Camden. You're on the fan, Kevin. Hey, welcome back, coach. Thank you, Kevin. Um, I want to talk about this Yankees because I, I was telling you all week how I, I was questioning the decisions by Boone. Game two, like I've been saying, game two is when they lost it because all the momentum they had. Yeah, oh, that was definitely the turning point of the whole series. You, you kind of knew it. if you were, You were sitting there watching that going, if they lose the series, it's because of this. And you knew That's it. What I, said, yep, I, told, I told you that. I said that was going to be the end. Yep. And it's just, I don't, I don't know what happened to Boone. I don't know if he, if he just like brain cramps or what, but the whole series, he was just making, especially especially last night, well, technically last night, he just made so many mistakes. It was, I, I was stunned. I mean, pinch hitting Ford for yeah. Frazier. I mean, it was just, I mean, and I'm, I'm saying, oh, I just couldn't believe it. Yeah, I, it's it's just, that was incomprehensible. I, I don't know how, uh, I don't know how, how, how would you get, take the bat out of a guy like Clint Frazier's hands and put Mike Ford in? I mean, I like Mike Ford, the person, I like Mike Ford, the yeah, Ivy Leaguer. But there's nothing special with him. I know. Why would you put uh, Mike Ford in that situation? I don't know. No, no, Sanchez, no one knows. I'm done with Sanchez. I'm sorry. <laughs> Gary Sanchez, I am done. I can't watch him. Yeah, it, train, him for, train him for what you can get. Well, that's the thing. I'm done with him. Kevin, I know we talked about this on, on Twitter, but what can you get for Gary Sanchez? And, and thanks for the call, Kevin, and I appreciate you hanging in Welcome. throughout the whole quarantine here. But that, that's the big question. Now everybody wants to dump Sanchez, okay? But what can you actually get for him at this point in time? Because he hasn't really shown his, his worth as a defender. He hasn't really shown his worth in clutch spots as, as a hitter. So what are you going to get for him? Not much. The Yankees, and I know 2020 is hindsight. I know we're Monday morning quarterbacking here. But he, you know, he had worth. And Brian Cashman decided to hang on to him and didn't deal him. And now look what's going on. Yankees were relying on a, on a backup catcher, which he did fine. He did fine. And the Yankees do have firepower up and down, or supposedly had firepower up and down that lineup. So putting in a bat like Kyle Higashioka, who, by the way, hit a home run on, you know, on his own, on his own merit there. He hit a home run at one point. You know, having him in the lineup instead of a guy like Sanchez, it's not truly a liability for the Yankees where it could be a liability for other teams. So in terms of Gary Sanchez, 
I mean, I don't know what they do with him. They have to, I think they just they have to keep him until he can get his 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 stock up. He, he needs that emoji that the Giants have, the the line graph uh, that go pointing upwards. They need to figure it out. And I remember at the beginning of the year, I tweeted it, and I and I got a lot of likes on that one. I remember because I remember laughing out loud as I was I was tweeting it. They showed, I think it was a video of Gary Sanchez either hitting off a tee or something, you know, getting in the right mindset. And I quote tweeted it, and I said something like, now show me him digging balls out of the dirt with a catcher's gear on. That's what he should be working on. Oh, all right. I guess I'm playing therapist to myself. Let's go to New Brunswick in Jeff. Jeff, you're on the fan. Hi, uh, Danielle. How you doing? Good. How are you, Jeff? Um, Could be better. Could be better. I know. Uh, so... Want to talk Yankees bullpen? You mentioned Chapman, um, you know, giving up the home run tonight and giving up the home run last year against Houston. Mm-hmm. Let's not forget when he was with the Cubs, he also gave up the game tying home run in the World Series to Rajai Davis. That was another big moment that he didn't um, close out there. He came. That was another time where he picked him back, pitched him back to back games, and he did that here for the Yankees. Um, so it just kind of shows yeah. that. Can can we really label that, him dominant? I, I'm going with right. no. Right, he's um, for, for it's it's crazy because the numbers that he's put up over a 10 year span are remarkable, almost you know Hall of Fame worthy, Hall of Fame track at least. But it's um, you know it's quite unfortunate for him and, and for the team and for us fans that the results uh, the last two years have been that way, and that leads me to say that. One of the biggest things I think I've overlooked um, of this Yankee season is losing Tommy Canley. I think that was yeah. a huge blow, um, even bigger than than like they got to this point without you know you can get you could skate without a, a Paxton or a Severino, mm-hmm. but not having Tommy Canley in the spot, like, there's just no trust in the bullpen. Um, the Yankees had in the post, which is remarkable in the post Mariano Rivera era, the Yankees bullpen was as strong as I mean you had a cast of between Robertson and Batanzas and Andrew Miller and Chapman and Green. I mean, you had, it, was, it seemed like you had a plethora of guys. Here, it's the drop-off after Green, Britain, and Chapman is is ridiculous. I'm not even putting Chapman it's, in that at this point. He's in, right, he's in my right. doghouse, you know? Britain, I think, right, is great. Exactly. Britain is excellent, in my opinion. But then you got, like, what about guys like Ottavino and Jeff? Thanks for the phone call. That's That was a very insightful phone call there. Um, and then you think of, like, Guys like Anavino. I mean, where has that guy's confidence gone? It's just poof, poof. You don't want to bring him in in a big spot either. So I understand that that Aaron Boone's hands were somewhat tied. I, I do understand that because, yes, there is a big drop-off. And, yes, the Yankees' bullpen, we knew that coming into this season, though, that the Yankees, everybody knew that. The Yankees' bullpen was not, you know, strong enough. And when the Yankees played true, to, I guess, the formula that they've been using all year. I mean, I look at game one, Garrett Cole, hand the ball off, hand the ball off, game over. Even the same tonight, except we didn't get the same outcome here if, if you're an, a Yankee fan. You didn't, you didn't get the same outcome. With Chapman, of course, giving up what ended up being the game-winning home run. And that's two years in a row that he's given up the game-winning home run to end the Yankee season. And that... That stings. That stings. So where do you go from here? I mean, maybe you you you, you move him into an eighth inning setup role. Is, is that what you do? I mean, the guy throws the ball 104 miles an hour. Okay, but if you can't locate it in a pressure situation, then what are we doing here? 
And then don't get me started on Davy Garcia. Oh, man. Don't get me started on him. Let's go to Steve in Brooklyn. Steve, you're on the fan. How you doing, huh? What's up? Uh, I think the second inning cost the Yankees the game today. Why are they swinging the three old pitches? <laughs> that was retarded. They cost them the game. The guy could have walked the bases long like Cole did, you know? Well, yes. When, you're, when you are taught from a young age when you play rec baseball, and I, we had to let you go there because you used a word on, that you can't use on the air, uh, get your pain. You're taught at rec baseball at the, at the younger ages. If it's a 3-0 pitch, you don't swing at it. Or maybe you run into one like, like Tatis Jr. Maybe you run into one. But in a game like this, I'm not taking that chance. Make the pitcher throw another pitch. Yes, that's what you're fundamentally taught. From a young age. And not to mention fundamentals. Let's talk about small ball. Let's talk about the Yankees' feast or famine attitude when they get into that, that batter's box. I mean, it, it's good when it works. And it's really bad when it doesn't work. I mean, you got Luke Voigt tonight looking like he wanted to rip the cover off the ball in the, in the top of the ninth. That's not the way to do it. That, that's not the way to do it. Let's go, Don. Linden, New Jersey. You're on the fan. Yeah, so, you know, tonight with the Yanks, I mean, uh, another disappointment. And I am a Mets fan, but it's, it's kind of remarkable. I mean, I'm 65 years old. I remember Koufax on two days rest pitching a three-hit shutout in Game 7 against the Twins. And we're apologizing for Cole going five in the third innings and praising him to the you know to the stars. He gave up four home runs in three postseason games. He had dominant moments, but did he really rise to the occasion? No, he did not. No question about that. He did not. The Yankees, for the fourth consecutive year, are looking looking from the outside in, and somebody else is going to win the World Championship. I will say this about the Mets, by the way. The first shot they had in 2015, as bad as they were before and mm-hmm. ever, they went to the World Series and they sailed to the World Series against some great pitchers, and you know that, mm-hmm. and, and had the lead in the eighth inning of four of the five games. So I'm going to give them a shot because they got there, and your team hasn't got there yet. Yeah, a point well taken, Don. Yes, of course. And then you can't forget, though, I mean, I'm not making excuses, but you can't forget that the Yankees also went up against the, the cheating Astros, right, last season. And, and, I, and I still think to this, to this day, it still flashes in my mind after Jose Altuve hits that game-winning home run last year in the ALCS, you know, the one where he didn't want to get his jersey ripped off because his wife said he couldn't take his shirt off on TV or something like that, some ridiculous thing. I was wondering, still, I still would love to ask Chapman, if I ever got a chance to ask him, did you smirk? Why? What was with the smirk at the end of that game? Did you smile because you knew he knew it was coming, or was it just a nervous reaction? Why did you smirk at the end of that game? So yes, I know the Yankees were going up against that as well, but the Yankees are built to to go to the World Series to win now, and. I don't know. Tanaka is going to be a free agent. What do you do with him? He might have pitched his final game in a New York Yankee uniform. He's been a tried and true Yankee all through all the years, you know, of that contract. I think the window's closing. If it's not closed already. 
stuck with Stan, uh, John Carlos Stanton for how many more years coming? And the Yankees have a lot of questions. They let Didi go. Was that the best thing? I mean, now it's easy to second guess all of Brian Cashman's moves, of course. But I don't know. And let's go to Henry in the Bronx. He's got a Cashman question. What's up, Henry? Hey, good evening. I'm here. I've always not been a big Brian Cashman fan. And um, always, right huh? away, the, okay. the team is not constructed very well. Homers only. Um, I guess I, I have to vent a little. Go um, ahead. <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> um, back. I'm going to go back. And I know this is Hank, but he should have never re-signed Alex Rodriguez. Number two, and you may not like this, he should not have re-signed CC Sabathia. Gave him more money at the end of his contract. CC was a nice guy and a true Yankee, but he didn't perform to that contract after 2011, 2012. I agree with you. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, Stanton, he should have never extended. He should have never extended a role as Chapman. A role, no one's going to pay these guys this money. I'm like you know, everybody lauds, you know, Cashman. I'm like Cashman. He works. I'm a big Yankees fan, and I love the Yankees are winning. But Cashman, he he has all the money in the world, and this is what he comes up with. And I'm afraid, as a Yankee fan, this is going to end because the Mets on the other side of town, mm-hmm. they're going to have an owner and a vengeful one. The Steinbrenners are not as rich as this guy. You know, they're going to go after people just people, free agents from the Yankees, just to rattle their cage. And um, the Yankees, who's going to want to play for them now? You know, they're, they're winning. Their winning aura is disappearing. You know, it used to be, hey, I want to play for the Yankees. I want to win. Can anyone, any free agent sign with them knowing that? This is all Cashman's fault. Cashman needs to build a better minor league system. Uh, look at the Tampa Bay Rays. Yeah. You know, they, they come up with all these players. Cashman is all his, Cashman has all this money, and we're the scouts. We're we're really not we're developing players, but we're not developing players with impact. Yeah, we got Luke Voigt. He had twenty two homers. I'm I'm in I'm in for trading Judge. Yeah, Judge may be the so called face of baseball, but, but what has the guy done? He's injured. He may hit a few homers. He had a fifty two homer season. And he hit a lot of his homers in September off a of bad minor league pitching, <laughs> and we're lauding that. Well, that open we, that opens up Henry. Thanks for calling. That opens up a whole new can of worms. And what do the Yankees do with with Aaron Judge? I mean, there's coming to a point where they have to make a decision on a lot of their their young stars. And, and for for what it's worth, yeah, Cashman might have missed. I mean, he definitely missed on Giancarlo Stanton and things like that. But you know, yeah, he's found these guys like Gio Urshela. He's found these guys like Luke Voigt. You know, Aaron Judge came up through the system. So it's not all bad. He, he he has an ability to find those pieces. You know what I'm talking about? Like those those little pieces he has the ability to find. But when it comes to giving out, yeah, extensions or, or big money deals, I mean, it's just, I don't know, some of them are head scratching. And now and also, Brett Gardner, what do you do with him? I, I you know, I'll be the first to tell you, I didn't want him to come back this year. However, he proved me wrong. I mean, he is, he, he's a base stealer at, at his advanced age. He robbed the ball tonight. I mean, he's a, he's a really good defensive fielder. And I think you let him go at the end of this season and let him play elsewhere, <laughs> unlike like, uh, Henrik Lundqvist, huh? 
All right, more your calls after the break. 877-337-6666. If you're on hold, hang in there. I will get to you. I'm Danielle McCartan, After Midnight on The Fan. Sunday means tons of football on The Fan. Tomorrow, right after Mark Malusis and Nick Costas hosting You Better You Bet, it's Mark and David Deal with Football Sunday beginning at 9 a.m. Then later on, it's an NFL doubleheader with the Giants and Cowboys at 425, followed by the Seahawks and Vikings following the Giants postgame show. All here on WFAN and Sports Radio 1019. WFAN-FM, New York. Welcome back, everybody, at 2.45 here in the morning in New York City. Hey, we got a lot of mishmashy things on the phone calls right now, so let's uh, let's go with what that little that little bump was, and, and let's talk a little bit of New York Jets football. We obviously have some Yankee calls on hold, so please hang there. If you want to get aboard, 877-337-6666. There is one line open for you. Um, yeah, and the Jets had, I'll spoil alert it a little bit, but the Jets had a false positive on the COVID test, so the game is scheduled as planned the cardinals are here probably resting sleeping in their hotel as of right now if you're a yankee fan you got a lot more questions and answers at this point in time and if you're a jet fan unfortunately you have all the answers your team has a very real possibility of not winning a game this entire season and no one knows what kind of cardinals team is going to come into town the air raid team or the checkdown team but if it's the air raid team, watch out because the Jets cornerbacks, you know, on defense, I mean, they're terrible. I mean, there's no other way to say it. I mean, they're just terrible. You got a guy like like Bless Austin who allows like a 64% completion percentage. And then you then you got a uh, guy on the other side, uh, Desir. He's up to like an eight, like 84 or 86. Here it is. I wrote it down in my notes here. Pierre Desir allows a completion percentage of 86% to opposing quarterbacks. I mean, he's single-handedly responsible for giving up three touchdowns this season so far. I mean, and the both of them, anytime you throw their way, the average yards allowed per catch is a first down. Desir is 17 yards. And Bless Austin rounds up to, to 11 yards per reception. So... That's got to be the game plan. I'm no rocket science, and I'm no NFL coach, but that has to be the game plan if you're Cliff Kingsbury and the Cardinals. Let's go to Ben in Bethel, Connecticut. Ben, you're on the fan. Hey, Coach. How are you tonight? What's up, Ben? Nothing. Hey, um, so I, I know I, I uh, tweet at you a bunch of times and mm-hmm. we talked about A.J. Green and stuff, um, but I, I've always defended Gates, but, I, yeah, he's got to go, right? I mean, he's driving me crazy with these. Like, he should have let... Like, I think you should let Darnold, Darnold, like, air it out, right? I yeah. Mean, he's been letting him think and dunk, and, yep. like, you know, let's test this offensive line and see if you can throw the ball down the field and see what we have before we have an opportunity to maybe have to draft another quarterback. Yes. Exactly. Right? Nail on the head. Yes. Because yeah, if, crazy. If, if you don't know, again, here we are again. We don't know exactly what Sam Darnold is. And Ben, thanks for the call. We don't know exactly what Sam Darnold is at this point in time. Okay, I know he's injured. There's something every year with him, okay? I know he can't control it, but, I mean, he maybe could have controlled the mono a little bit better last year, but um, we don't know what he is. No one watching Sam Darnold knows what he is, and that is a problem. He needs to play as much as possible so the Jets can, can really evaluate him and really decide if they want to move on or not. I know Trevor Lawrence is not going to fix the Jets. 
You should know that now. Even if they draft Trevor Lawrence, he, unless he can play cornerback or edge rusher or wide receiver or, you know, unless he can do all that, there's really, you know, many more holes to fill. For me, I'm hoping that it's Sam Darnold going forward because a lot of people who know quarterbacks know that that he's he's, he's got talent. It's unfortunate for him that he's got a, a, a coach that doesn't know how to use him, coach slash offensive coordinator that, that doesn't know how to use him, unfortunately. But what are you going to do? I said this a long time ago. If the Jets ever have to come to a point where they have to choose between coach or quarterback, you have to pick quarterback. Would you rather have, would you rather, Adam Gase or Sam Darnold? Sam Darnold. And then you ask, okay, what if Gase gets the can at the end of the season, they hire a new coach, he's going to want his own quarterback, and here we go again. Here we go again. Same old Jets. Ben in Queens, you're on a fan. Firstly, a hearty welcome back there, Coach. Oh, thank you, thank you. And uh, congrats on the power players. Oh, and, thank you. And as I say that, congrats to the Seattle Storm before I get into the minutia of my team. There you go. Seattle Storm won the uh, WNBA championship uh, the other day. And uh, Brianna Stewart had a, had a great finals and even better finals went to Sue Bird. So I'm glad you brought and, up the WNBA. Let's and, give them a little love. And Sue Bird, you know what? <laughs> Listen, I know about 65% of uh, guys, players, that don't have the heart she does. Sue Bird's the goat, man. Yeah. 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 It's her, her, Teresa Witherspoon, and Diana Taurasi. Those are the three players I have never seen the will to win, ever. Yeah. Like those three have. All right. What do you got for me tonight, Ben? All right. this This one's easy. You know what? I, and and we talked on Twitter about it. How how real real mad I was. Can't be mad. I can't be mad. Got to the game game five after the tremendous mistake of game two. All right. My thing was with this is why are you going to Chapman so early? Yeah, that was another question I wrote down in my notes as I was oh. watching. Yeah, I did write that down. Why? Why do you yank Britain? Aaron Boone does this all the time, though. This is like his mo. I don't. I don't get it. You know, I put myself out there last night with Double J, and I went. My ideal thing is you go with Cole. From Cole, you go to Garcia, <laughs> and yeah. then you go Britain, and then you go Chapman. Why? Because I thought that, like it, it would be a redemption game if the Yankees would win, yeah. and Garcia would come in, pitch a couple of innings. And then you don't have to stress with Britton and Chapman for the eighth and the ninth. Correct. I see Chapman come in at the end of the seventh, and I'm just like, oh, oh, they're going to hit him eventually. Yep. And sure enough, they hit him. Why? Because the longer he's out there, this race team does something that the Yankee team doesn't do. That is contact. Yeah. It's simple. Yep. It is simple. We we had and and there's three major reasons we lost this series. Managerial, uh, uh, developmental. That's one. All right. Two, situational hitting. Mm-hmm. You could say home runs all you want, but Tampa was constantly putting guys on base. Not tonight, though. And three, 
everything the Yanks tried to do, Tampa did better. The one guy we ain't talking about right now, but we should, Glasgow. Glasnow on two days rest. Yeah. He did what he did, and he matched Cole long enough for that bullpen to get in there and shut us down. And uh, quickly on the Jets, and this will be real quick. Mm-hmm. I'll, I, I could be real snarky about it, but thank God that's a false positive because we're seeing what's happening with the Titans right now. Mm-hmm. All right, so that's it. And Coach D, welcome back. And uh, hopefully we have more of these in the future. I hope so, too, Ben. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And, hey, you know, the Yankees, and, you know, he just said it. What the Yankees tried to do, the Rays did better. Think about this. I wrote this in my notes as well. I take very good notes. Always did. My whole life. Game four, I wrote, bottom of the fourth inning, capital letters, nice bunt attempt by Gleyber Torres against the shift towards first base. If you know me, you know I've been saying that forever. Like, why can't you just lay a bunt down against the shift? And there's Glaber Torres doing it. The problem is it was a bunt attempt. It was a bunt attempt. He didn't get it down. So I wrote, keeps the defense honest. And then I wrote, got to get it down next time, man. Popped it up. Luckily, it wasn't an out. And then I wrote, nothing doing otherwise. In the bottom of the fourth, that's game uh, four, that was. There was an attempt to bunt. And then he hit that monster home run. So I don't know. Sometimes when you, as a player, when, when you try to bunt the ball, it just focuses you in a different way in the batter's box. You really have to see the release point of the pitch. You have to, as I tell all my players when when I was coaching them, you got to train your eyes. And sometimes just throwing a bunt out there helps you train your eyes and focus in that much closer. All the way out to Sherman Oaks, California. Mark, I hope you're doing okay with the uh, the fires going on out there still. Yeah, it's... It's pretty ridiculous. Like, the whole entire sky at one point was, like, just red. We were seeing the pictures. You couldn't see. I didn't I didn't even go outside. It was, like, my whole window was just covered with ass. But, yeah. I mean, I, I'm, like, probably, like, 40 miles away from it. But at that time, there was about six or seven fires going on yeah. in the vicinity of where I live. So, it was pretty crazy. Well, stay safe. What do you got for us tonight? I'm absolutely heartbroken. And the reason I'm heartbroken, there was a caller earlier. His name was Don. He was talking about Garrett Cole. In 14 games that Cole's pitched, he gives up 12 homers. If you look at all the starts, he gives about one yes. homer every game. Yes. So you knew it was coming. Yeah. I didn't know when, but I knew it was coming. And I was like, okay, cool. They could keep it close 1-1. The problem here is everyone's talking game two, whatever. Delvey went 27 pitches. He only gave up a homer. Yeah. But why do you go to half and give up four runs into innings? Mind you, Hap hasn't pitched in, like, maybe probably 30 days. It's been forever since he's pitched, so he's very uncomfortable. But to me, the biggest problem is why do you pinch hit Mike Ford for Higashikioka, number one? You could go Sanchez or Frazier. It really doesn't matter. But the biggest problem to me is Chapman, you look at his pitch count. He went slider, splitter, fastball, fastball, splitter, slider, then after the slider, he threw a fastball, which Brassau almost hit a home run off of. So then he decides to throw a fastball again. You're talking about the one that went in the upper deck, the foul ball in the upper deck, that one? That you're talking yes. about? Yeah. yeah. He crushed so it. So he hits a homer. Yeah, he crushed he it. He hits a homer off the same pitch in the same location. Mm-hmm. But let me tell you something, Coach. If Higashikioka was there, it would have been a slider or a splitter he would have threw. Because guess what? You got Joey Wendell on deck who can't hit his way out of a paper bag. I know, yeah. Yep. So it's like, and in two pitches, he grounds out. So boom, there you go. 
But I thought remotely Chad Green was coming into this game at some point. But I heard you say earlier you weren't really a fan of Delvi Garcia. No, no. one person in no, the no. pen. No, I, I, I like I like Davy Garcia. I, I do. I, I do uh-huh. like Davy Garcia. And I wish that Aaron yeah. Boone left him in for more than what was it, twenty four seven pitches that 27 game? Twenty seven pitches, yeah. yeah. I wish he would left him in. I mean, it was only one run. See the thing is, and and thanks for the call, Mark. I appreciate the call. Thank you. Thank you. Um so yeah. Game two. Okay, there's a lot of things that he just said, and I wanted to just point out about Garrett Cole surrendering the home runs. I've been tweeting about this. It is concerning to me how many home runs that Garrett Cole gives up. Okay, I've been on that for months now. Okay, go check the Twitter feed. But basically, partic- and I, I also wrote my notes, particularly first-inning ones are still concerning me. However, I looked it up. I just wanted to be really sure that I wasn't just, you know, sometimes when you, like, want to believe something, that, and then you, like, in your mind, you're like, you make it true, you know? I looked it up. Garrett Cole gave up 14 regular season home runs this season, this shortened season. That was, He was tied for second most in Major League Baseball. I, I, you know, to me, I'm like, okay, he's the ace pitcher in the Yankees. He's making a ton of money to do so. And then he's given up all these home runs. He, this offseason, needs to figure that out. He needs to, I mean, you can't have that. You just can't have that. And I forgot what I was going to say next, but um, that was the first thing. And what was the other thing he was talking about? Oh, Davey Garcia. Oh, yeah, Davey Garcia. See, I thought I liked it. I, I liked... Game one, uh, Cole. Game two, Garcia, starting pitching, I'm talking. And game three, Tanaka. The reason why I liked it was Davey Garcia. I mean, the Yankees starting pitching is, is desolate, barren, right? So you got Davey Garcia in a position where you could put him in in game two. It's not game one where he has to win it. And it's not maybe game three where it's also maybe a must win. It's game two. It's a nice little cushion game two. So I'm like, okay, Davey Garcia, let's go. And then I'm like sitting there watching that game, and I, I see Jay Happ warming up in the, in the bullpen, and I'm like, oh, well, maybe the camera didn't catch it. Maybe Davey Garcia gave Aaron Boone like eyes in the dugout and said, I'm hurt or something, or pointed to something that the camera didn't catch. Maybe he's hurt. And then my head explodes when I find out that Aaron Boone tries to put a starting pitcher as an opener, and, and it just, for me, for this team, the way it's constructed, it does not work. It doesn't work like that. And that, I sat there and I said to myself, if this series goes the way of the Bra- of the Rays, this is a pivotal moment in this season, Game 2. All right, we still jammed on the phone lines. Hang in there, 877-337-6666. I am Danielle McCartan, After Midnight, on The Fan. This weekend, we take a long look back at the Yankees' 2020 season and give you lots of time to talk about it. We're also getting you ready for Week 5 of the NFL season as we talk Giants-Cowboys, Jets-Cardinals, and all of this weekend's biggest games. And coming up tomorrow, it's an NFL doubleheader. Danielle McCartney. Good morning, everybody. Coming to you guys from Lower Manhattan. It is 3.03 in the morning and 29 seconds exactly. Uh, A lot of heartbreaks here in New York. Coming on the air with you guys fairly close to the end of Game 5. Yankees raise ALDS. I think the Yankees have way more questions and answers at this point. And there are broken hearts all over this tri-state area after Brousseau took a 
Aroldis Chapman pitch and landed it in the empty seats in left field. And um, Aaron Boone was asked after the game about this season being a failure. I think Meredith Morakovitz, I might have asked him, I'm not sure, but he, he was asked about this season being a failure. And his answer was, in, in part, his answer was, I hate that question every year. Well, if you hate that question every year, why don't you do everything you can to make sure that you don't have to answer that question every year? I mean, I know that's a novel thought here, but when you try something new in a playoff situation, I'm talking game two with the pitching debacle, the pitching gimmick, you know, someone tweeted me or Facebooked me and said, well, if it worked, you would have loved it. No, no, no. No. I would have been like, oh, phew, they got away with that one. But I wouldn't have loved it. You don't do that. You don't play the game one way and then just all, just all of a sudden decide to switch it up just because. You just don't do that. So to Aaron Boone, if you hate that question every year about the season being a failure because you didn't win the World Series, one, do what you can to make sure it doesn't end like that. And two, make sure that window isn't closing because in my opinion – it's closing fast or might already be closed with what with, with the Yankees have on that roster. Let's head out to Astoria. E. Frank, you're on the fan. Yes. Good morning, Danielle. Good morning. Yes, I'd just like to talk about uh, the future of uh, uh, Yankee manager Aaron Boone. Uh, he's so, staying. That's the thing. Yeah, well, I, I actually believe that he is uh, a, a good uh, manager. He's uh, been very successful over the years, but uh, it seems that he actually convinces uh, uh, the fans that he's going to actually win the next season. He's going to do better than he has ever done. He's going to be more supportive of his players. But in the long run, he ends up uh, putting his uh, foot in his mouth because uh, he he's has coincidences that he can't control, like Chapman uh, this evening. Uh, he was very confident. I, I'm sure that he was going to win the game, but these things do happen. And I've always said that uh, Aaron Boone is uh, is uh, a, a supportive of, uh, of the uh, Yankee management system, but he seems to be a, a person who puts his players on the front line sometimes, and he ends up uh, shooting himself on the foot. So... I just want to ask you, Daniel, do you think that you just said that he, he's uh, on the AOK, on the green light to continue as Yankee manager, but could he be uh, on, the, on the chopping block because of his philosophical views of how he treats his players? Yeah, that's a great question. And I know he just hung up to listen to the answer. But, um, yeah, that's a great question. And, yes, while Aaron Boone is the one that's basically sitting up there after every game, you know, press conference every game, He's not it's it's not like like the old days where it's like the manager is calling all the shots. Nowadays, I mean they have I assume that they have meetings where you know you sit and and they have data guys and they have laptops open and they have numbers dudes and it's not solely Aaron Boone's decision on really anything. I mean I'm sure Brian Cashman has has uh, has a say in what's going on. Aaron Boone uh, some of the analytics guys. I mean, it's it, they're all in part of like this this team. Does that make sense? It, it, they're all part of like this team where it's not just falling on the shoulders of of one manager, one managerial style or decision or whatever. And I think, and I wrote as he was talking, I wrote the word E Frank when you were talking. I wrote the word analytics down. 
And I think that what happened or what has been happening over time, and, and I've talked about it before, is but, you know, I think Aaron Boone manages so much by the numbers and what analytically is supposed to happen that sometimes, and a perfect example is tonight, he, he doesn't really go with his gut. I mean, why were you taking Zach Britton out? He could have gotten the last out in, in, in what was it, the seventh inning. Why do you bring Chapman in so early? And Kevin uh, from Camden tweeted me the same thing. Why did you bring Chapman in so early? You know, I don't know. Maybe the numbers were saying one thing, but your gut says another thing. You, your gut says to leave Britton in and let him finish the inning. He wasn't really in any trouble that I can remember. I mean, I didn't write anything down, so let him finish the inning, man. So it's things like that. And it's like I go back to the ALCS when he – I always mention this when he took out Tanaka in that game. There was no business of him taking out Masahiro Tanaka in that game in Houston. And I believe they ended up losing that game, if, I, if my memory serves me correctly. Um, but it is late. <laughs> and I did not get to sleep before I came on the air tonight. Um, I couldn't sleep. I was so excited to be back. Um, but, yeah, so to, to roundabout answer your question, it's not just Aaron Boone making the decision. It's a team of guys making that decision. And women, maybe, hopefully. Uh, let's go to Tim, East Haven, Connecticut. Tim, you're on the fan. Welcome back. <laughs> welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Thanks, Tim. So, as a Red Sox fan, I have very little to say about the Yankees. <laughs> but I do have to say, when do you guys start looking at Aaron Boone? It's, I mean, I have. He's been on my radar, you know, but it, he's not going anywhere. Seventh was ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, he's not going anywhere, though. That's the thing. And that's that's a problem. Yeah. That's a problem. And, and as we get to my football giants. Yeah. Um, well, the first Giants call of the night, I don't know what yes. to do. <laughs> Up or down, left or right. I like Judge's enthusiasm. I like the change. I like the fact that we've competed in three of the four games. Yeah. But that doesn't get you where we want to be. I want to win. Right. Everybody wants to win. That's why uh, Harm Edwards. That's you why play we play the game, the game, right? Right, right, right. So, so going to Aaron, uh, not Aaron Judge. Sorry, Joe Judge. Yeah, I know it's confusing <laughs> at this time of year. I know <laughs> this New York Judge Judge. I know um, only one judge in town. Only room for one right? judge. So, if we do happen to fire Gettleman, yeah, which I think is imminent, someone that better have a relationship with Aaron Judge. No, Joe Judge. Uh, yeah, sorry, Joe Judge. Oh, my yeah. God, I'm confusing myself because it's, okay. it's 3 o'clock in the morning. I Usually know. I'm sleeping. I know. But we don't need another system for the for the quarterback. Three right. systems in three years, right. that's not going to help. That's not going to help the situation. We're going to turn into the Jets. Because yeah. <laughs> their 0-4 feels different than our 0-4. Absolutely. Would you agree with that? Absolutely, yes. Yes. Okay, one last point. And this one's really bothering me because I'm a huge New York Rangers fan. Mm, let me guess. And Henrik Lundqvist, yeah. Going to a division rival well, just just really gives me a bad taste in my mouth. People want to talk about Eddie Jockerman. Well, he got traded to Detroit. Brian Leach got traded to Toronto. This guy, before even free agency was actually official, was already tweeting out he's going to be a capital mm. in the division. Come on! I mean, it's a business. I know it's a it's a business. <laughs> you know, you know the thing is with him, he's he never won anything with the Rangers. And and I talked to him years ago, and and I know probably the story changed, but he said he would never leave New York in order to pursue a championship. Well, here we are. He's way older now, 
time's running out. I, you know, unfortunately, it was the Capitals, but I feel like he had to go to a contender. No, don't you want to wish as a Ranger wish, fan, wish him well? The Capitals just got worse, <laughs> and I'm all for that. Yeah. They got a slower and older goalie. They mentor. let Holtby go. Yeah. For an older guy. Yeah. Well, we mentor. got two young kids that are better than him currently. Correct. Yes. So I am happy to have you back. Thank you for taking my call. And hopefully we'll do this again. Yeah. As always, Tim, thank you so much for calling in. Thank you. Appreciate it. And Dave, he brought up Dave Gettleman, which probably is the most intriguing thing. Dave Gettleman, I think I wrote down the word thin ice. I mean, I think Dave Gettleman is on thin ice. And we're, we're going major, major grab bag of topics here. We got Yankees on the table, Jets on the table, Mets. You want to throw a Mets call in? 877-337-6666. But Dave Gettleman and the Giants, he's on thin ice. I mean, the guy is behind the times without a large analytics department, and that was exposed to the world at the end of last season. Obviously, his way before that is not working. And let me leave you with this about David Gettleman. Gettleman's had five, five first-round picks since taking over the reins when, when he started in 2017. Okay, one of them was Saquon Barkley. He was going to be a star no matter what, but now he's injured. And we don't know how seriously, and we don't know how that's going to affect his career down the line. Daniel Jones, he's struggling. But we could talk about Daniel Jones. I think Daniel Jones is just struggling, uh, struggling as, as growing pains. Andrew Thomas, hmm? DeAndre Baker, he's out of football altogether. And maybe just Dexter Lawrence, maybe the only guy who's produced is advertised. So, yeah, uh, Tim's right. Maybe it's time for Joe Judge you know, to, to for them to get rid of uh, Dave Gettleman, for Joe Judge to actually bring in his own guy. Especially since the way they're going, they're going to be picking near or at the top of the next draft. Do you really want to give Dave Gettleman another mm, top three, four, five pick in the draft? First round? No. I, I My answer is uh, no. So I trust uh, Joe Judge. I almost said Aaron Judge. I trust Joe Judge. As the coach, I love what he's doing. He's an excellent hire. He is an excellent hire, and I will be fighting that to the death here. He, the guy's tough. He's hard-nosed. He leaves no stone unturned. He's old school with the running of the laps, but he's also a little bit of blend of the new school. He, I mean, he's letting the players hose him down when he did that fumble drill. I mean, that's the kind of coach that, in my opinion, is the best kind of coach. All of those qualities. I don't know, but I just hope that Joe Judge, because I I trust Joe Judge, would pick a GM much like him and like-minded like him. And get with the analytics, please. Let's go to Dave and Comac. Dave, you're on the fan. Hey, how are you? What's up, Dave? You know you sound exactly like Laurie Rubinson. I sound just like Laurie. Okay, (laughs) is that a compliment or, or... I think it's a compliment. All right, well, point well taken. Thank I you. Was, I, I, in fact, when I heard you on the radio a few minutes ago, I was like, I had Laurie Rubinson on a Friday night. Uh, just me, Danielle McCartan. What do you hey. got for me tonight, Dave? Uh, um, I heard about the Yankees. I listened to what happened on the radio. Mm-hmm. I think it's time to fire Aaron Boone. You, you need to bring back either uh, Tory or you bring back... Uh, well, Tory's not leaving Philly. Well, Willie Randolph. Too old. Don Manningly. 
Don Manley is with the, Mar- the Marlins. Okay, but what about you? Why can't you bring in uh, Willie Randolph again? Too old. Too old. Old school, I should say. Eh, Too old school. You know what? He worked on the Tory. He's got to be better than Aaron Boone. Mm, and I don't know. The Yankees, uh, with regard to why they lost, I mean, this has been an ongoing theme all season. You don't want to play any small ball. You can't expect in the playoffs that you're going to get uh, some nice pitches to hit. You can hit them in, into, the, into the seats. Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Every year it's the same thing. And then you got your three starting pitches away from winning anything. They haven't done anything with the starting pitching. CC Sabathia is gone. They got rid of Andrew Miller and Phil Coke years ago. I mean, uh, you got to bring those guys back. You don't have Mariano Rivera anymore. As long as the Yankees aren't going to play small ball, they have no bullpen and no starting pitching, they're going to win nothing. The Islanders will win the Stanley Cup before the Yankees uh, win, win uh, anything. Oh, no. Are we going to put the over-under on that? The Islanders, well, the Islanders, really, they really did get close this year, Dave. But, you know, I was thinking on the drive-in, I was on the George Washington Bridge, and a ton of traffic on the George Washington Bridge, by the way. One lane was open. So I'm just sitting there thinking as the bridge is going up and down, up and down, and I'm thinking, like, who is going to win a championship first, the Jets or the Yankees? And that was kind of sparked by a tweet that I had gotten. I can't scroll back on all the tweets right now to, to, to shout out your your handle there. But, um, yeah, I mean, when you get to the highest level and you face the best pitching, you have to be – I sound like a broken record, but you have to be – a situational hitter. I mean, you have to be sound in the field. That's first. You have to play good defense, which I, I believe that the Yankees pretty much did. I mean, I know Glaber Torres had an error tonight. It never really ended up affecting him. Um, I wrote down a couple nights ago that Gary Sanchez had a pass ball. I don't think that runner ever ended up scoring. So, I mean, in the field, defensively, I think they were fine. I mean, Gio Urshela has been a rock at third base for the Yankees. And unfortunately, he he, he made an error tonight. Unfortunately, it happens. I mean, it was a tough play to begin with. I believe the camera didn't even catch it. That's how fast the, the, the ball was hit. But I believe it was a backhanded play. I'm not, I'm not positive on that. But um, nevertheless, for me, cons- I consider myself old school. I love old school ball. The game within a game, pitcher and catcher. And then he, and I love bunting the ball. I loved how Glaber Torres tried, tried, tried attempted to bunt that ball that night. I was like screaming from my couch like, yes, finally. And something that that came up before, I'm not sure if it was before this series or the series before, but John Carlos Stan, I, I wrote down a quote that he said, and he said, John Carlos Stan, of all people, by the way, he said, you've got to understand that situation. You've got to get a run in any way possible. You've got to keep feeding from that and having good at-bats and keep it rolling. John Carlos Stan, keeping the innings going, get a run in in any way possible. I thought to myself, like, well, you know what? He's finally seeing it. He's finally changing his plate approach, right? And I don't know. A lot of these calls, nobody's talking about Giancarlo Stanton. I mean, he really, for the first time, had his Yankee moment. Is that it? His Yankee couple games here? And, you know, I mean... He's either, again, he, but he too is either home run or strikeout or home run or strikeout. Although he did have a double the other night, um, and I think he also could have legged out a single one the other night, but he didn't. Um, but that that's besides the point. But anyway, so old school for me is the, is the way it is. I know the the ball, the aerodynamics of the baseball has changed over the years. You can point to all the 
the the blisters on the starting pitchers that they're getting. I know you you could you could point to that, but it's the teams that execute, especially with runners in scoring position, are the teams that that do well and fare well in in important games against the best pitching. You know, um, so what do you do? I mean, what what do you do if if you're Brian Cashman? What do you do if you're Aaron Aaron Boone? I mean, I think that Clint Frazier is an everyday outfielder moving forward. I think it, you know, it's like a Henrik Lundqvist sort of thing, but I think you let Brett Gardner go. It's time for Clint Frazier in the outfield. Your DH is, is Stanton. You're your right fielder every day. I mean, the injuries have marred the Yankees as well. I mean, how many seasons has how many seasons has uh, Aaron Judge been fully fully operational for? I mean, do you look at trading Aaron Judge? I mean. I don't know. I don't know what you do. But I think you need a, uh, you know, a better catcher. I think that's where you kind of start. And I think you need better pitching. I mean, I know you need better pitching. Starting pitching. But then also too, don't forget Severino's coming back from surgery. So that's like gaining somebody else. I don't know. And I think Chapman is no longer a closer. I think you move him to to an eighth inning role so that if he does give up that home run, which has ended the Yankee season two years in a row, then at least you have another inning to try and figure it out. Get the bats rolling. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm just, you know, playing therapist to Yankee fans. You know, I was kind of shocked how that game ended again this year. I feel like we're flashback to last year. Um, and I'm sure a lot of you guys on hold feel the same way. So um, let, let's uh, get more calls, 877-337-6666. We're going to hit the break. I'll be back with you in a few short minutes. I'm Danielle McCartan here on The Fan. Listen to Giants football tomorrow as Big Blue heads down to Dallas to face the Cowboys. Kickoff is 425 with Giants game day at 210. Hi, this is Bob Papa. Join me along with Carl Banks and Howard Cross for all the play-by-play exclusively on your flagship station for Giants football. The Fan, Sports Radio 1019 FM and Sports Radio 66. WFAN and WFAN-FM, New York. I'm being serenaded by Welcome Back yet again tonight. I am back for the first time since it's been a long time. March 21st was the last time I was here. Danielle McCartan here with you on the fan until 6 a.m. It is a uh, it's Saturday morning, 324 in the morning, as well as a football weekend, as well as a devastating loss by the New York Yankees in Game 5. And you, well, let's do bets as well if you guys want to get aboard. 877-337-6666. You've got the Jets taking on the Cardinals Sunday 1 p.m. from MetLife Stadium, an empty MetLife Stadium. You've got the Giants taking on the Cowboys in Dallas, or Arlington technically, and there will be fans in the stands in Jerry World. And how are, are how missed are fans in the stands? Well, even the Giants are, are excited to take the field in front of Cowboys fans. Joe Judge said, to be honest with you, it's exciting. There's a different kind of energy, home and away, obviously, but I think both energies really add to the atmosphere and add to the environment. I'm looking forward to playing Dallas this week. And then Logan Ryan said he's excited. Even though I do not like the Cowboys personally, he said, growing up in New Jersey, no matter what team you root for, you root against the Cowboys. And he loves the energy that the fans bring, good and bad. And there's nothing better than quieting a road stadium. And he said he, he wishes we had fans here in New Jersey. Me too. I wish I, wish I can go to a game at like, 20, 25% capacity. Not like the, the Florida's doing. 
I would not feel comfortable sitting in a stadium with 65,000 people. But at, at a minimal capacity, I mean, I would do it. I would go. And I'm very cautious. And I would go. You should see, I, I, I Clorox wiped this whole place before I sat down. The chair, the desk, everything. The door handles. So I'm very cautious. Obviously wearing the mask, not on the radio, but, you know, through the building. But I would go. And, of course, we've got the Yankees in heartbreak. So let's go back to the phones. 877-337-6666. Eric and Patchog, you're on the fan. Hey, Danielle. It's a pleasure to be speaking with you. Oh, thanks, uh, Eric. I haven't, I haven't got to hear you. I'm a, I'm a Friday and Saturday night bartender. Oh. So it's always a pleasure, it's always a pleasure to hear you after uh, a long night of bartending and uh, on my ride home, so um, it's glad to have. I'm glad to have you back. Well, thank you. And I'm glad your bars are back open as well. Tip your bartenders, yeah, everybody. It's it's a uh, it's not the same, but it's better than nothing. Exactly that way. Yep. Uh, I hate to bring up the Jets, but <laughs> no, please do. So I know the big topic of debate amongst us Jet fans is what to do with Sam Darnold after the season's over. I'm personally a Sam Darnold guy. I, I get the talk about Trevor Lawrence. It, it's a new rookie deal, so essentially we get to start over. But I think for for the Jets, it's imperative that whatever they decide to do, they leave it up to a new head coach. Because let's be honest, Absolutely. Adam Gase will not. Adam Gase is not going to survive this season. Whether they do it at the bye week or after the season's over. There's no way he's surviving past this year. I think fans will absolutely riot if they <laughs> give him another year. Yeah. What, what's, it, what's essential that they do is not fall into the same pattern that they've been where they try and go after a hot coordinator, mm-hmm. whether it be on the offensive side or defensive side of the ball. To an extent, it worked with Rex. I'll, I'll admit that. But Adam Gase was literally the same type of hire. He was a hot coordinator that Miami sought after because of his success with Peyton Manning. He didn't really get it done in Miami. He alienated a lot of his best players. Happening and here. Guy, and it's happening here, yes. Agreed, Continue. 100%. Yeah. It, it, I'll be fair with Gase, and, and I can't stand him. I'll give him credit. He, as, a, as far as a play caller, I think the guy – designs plays well. I'll be honest. I, I watch the film over and over, and he does. But I don't think he calls – I think he's just the most stubborn human being when it comes to calling his plays, coaching his team. And it's imperative that the Jets go out and not just seek a hot coordinator or somebody who designs plays well or somebody who's got the best offense in football, but they need – a program-building head coach who could be that CEO-type head coach. A Joe Judge? No, a commander-in-chief who can oversee the entire team and not just one side of the ball. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Eric, we are are in lockstep here, and thanks for the call. That's a great call. Um, Not not because you agree with me, but it's it's very well thought out. And, yes, yes, I, I totally agree with you. Totally. In lockstep with everything you said. But except for, I mean, look at the offensive output that the Jets have put out. I don't know if I would consider Adam Gase a good play caller or play designer even. 
because the Jets are last in first downs. They're last in the league in yards per play. They're last in the league in total yards. I mean, just any category, basically, you want to look at, the Jets are in the bottom bottom quarter, bottom third of the league in every one of them. He doesn't know how to use his running backs. Um, he doesn't know, you know, okay, so you're going to use a, a, a cycling through your, 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 what's that called? Like a cycle, uh, all three running backs, okay? A circuit. Okay, fine. That's fine. But... Each one brings a different skill set. And if you can't get Le'Veon Bell running through holes and bouncing around corners because your offensive line isn't too good, well, he's a really good pass catcher. How many times have we seen him being used in that way? Not many. That's just an example. Sure, he doesn't have the, the most talented roster. That's understood. But for the Jets to think that, that Trevor Lawrence, drafting Trevor Lawrence is going to fix all their problems, I have a bridge in Las Vegas to sell you because it's not going to happen. You can't. You can't expect one kid to come and save this entire thing. Like I said before, unless he's playing cornerback, unless he's rushing the passer on off the edge, what if maybe he's going to throw it and catch it? Oh, but wait, even Tom Brady can't do that because Giselle, remember, standing by the elevator, she said, Tom, he can't catch it and he can't throw it and catch it. At the same time, and she used more words than that. I was trying to filter myself here. Um, so it's it, even if, if Tom Brady can't do it, Trevor Lawrence certainly can't do it, and nobody can do it. The Jets need to, I hate to say it, blow it up, but I think Sam Darnold you keep. And then maybe two years down the line, then you can say, okay, drag and drop and put the quarterback in. Because t- they tried. They tried to build it out the other way, and it just didn't work. It's not how it works. Let's go to Scotty in New Jersey. You're on the fan. Good morning, Danielle. How are you? I will start my conversation by saying I am elated that the Yankees lost tonight. What? Oh, no. I am. I'm elated. I despise them. And uh, they're not going to win in the postseason if they keep living and dying by the home run. Yeah, well, that's the problem. And it was another clutch at bat by Stanton in the ninth inning with the bat on his shoulders. It was he hits home runs when they're up by two runs and hits a grand slam. The guy's not clutch. That was a horrible at bat. I agree. And, yes, I agree. And Gardner's Gardner's catch was not great by what? any means. No it, way. He did rob him of a home run. He reached his glove over the fence. Oh wow. my god! That he was, timed it perfectly. Jumped. Whoa. He was. He moved back on the ball feet. with calmness. He didn't panic he that the calmness. wall was behind him. What? He's a professional outfielder. I'll grant you that. He's probably. Still one of their better outfielders. But, Defensively, uh, yes. Yes, he is. And Urshela, of course, crushed the ball at the end because Urshela and LeMay were clearly their best two players. Yeah, right. And what do you do with your catcher now? Uh, that he's th- worth basically Yeah, nothing he's got no trade moment. value. Yeah, you can't trade him. So uh, I guess you hold on to him and work with him for now. And and I don't even know what you do with Judge since he can't really stay on the field, even though he did run into one tonight. Beside running into the wall, I mean, he ran into a home run. Yes, but I know. I know. the pitching is not what's hurting this team in the postseason at all. I mean, they held the Astros to a one-something average last year. They didn't lose because of pitching. They don't hit in the postseason. Yeah, they and they, they don't choke. manufacture runs. Yes, agree with you. But I'm just curious, what okay. what of what fan are you? I'm unfortunately a Mets fan, <laughs> and I think the Mets are a disaster. But uh, I think as long as this general manager's there, it was good. I mean, classic Mets. I mean, we get Lowry and you get Lemayu. That's uh, that's classic Mets. Yeah, oh, I know. Well, those times Lowry are did have a 
Lowry had a great Mets career, though, eight at-bats, and he did manage to walk once. So that was a good experiment. He made a ton of money and doing it, too. I wish I could work like he that. He did. He did. <laughs> I wish I could work eight and the games. And the one thing Brody's given credit for is he let Alonzo start the season last year in the major leagues. I mean, that's that's genius. And I don't know. I don't know what, you know, the owner, first. the first thing he has to do is get rid of him, in my opinion. Yeah, and, I, agree. Uh, I agree with you. I mean, the Mets are built on pitching. They have one pitcher now. I mean, and he is the best in baseball, but he's one. And I feel bad. I think he should be given his freedom. As much as I love DeGrom, wow. he, he signed the deal. A couple of seasons. He knew it. He, I know he, he did. signed the deal. And I, the uh, analogy I use, I, I feel bad for Matthew Stafford also. I mean, Matthew Stafford deserves better than the Lions. And, uh, you know. Back to your last call, I'm sorry, and then I'll finish it up. But I don't know if we'll ever know how good Darnold is as long as he's on this team. He has no weapons. Uh-huh. He has virtually no line. And no so, coach. I mean, that's hard no, to and tell no, if he's any good or not. Right, and he's got no coach that's helping him out either with the play no, calling. No, he, he has nothing, basically. So <laughs> I don't I don't know if we'll ever know. I know, and, and Scotty, thanks for the call. And, and I, he is one of those players that I, I see it already. Come back to me in, in three or four years when he's on a different team and he's lighting up defenses with his legs, which he never really gets to use, only when the plays break break down. And I just want to say the teams that out-homered their opponents are 23-1 and this postseason. So this has been home run derby of a postseason, if if you like the long ball. Don't they? What's the saying? Chicks dig the, chicks dig the long ball, something like that? That's from a movie. What is that from? Pat's getting his headphones off. What is it? Oh, wow. I'm blanking on it right now, too. All right. You guys tweet me, at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. Yeah, a couple seconds. Yeah, that's from something. I don't know exactly where that's from, Um, but I know the saying. Let's go to Joe in Red Bank, New Jersey. You're on the fan. Joe. Hey, Joe. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about analytical managers versus traditional managers. Yeah. And conclude with giving you my two managers of the year, if you don't mind. Okay, go ahead. I'm going to to try and guess and maybe see what what side of the fence you're on, and then I'll guess. Okay. Analytics, you know, uses your example, the Oakland Athletics. They get to the playoffs every year, but they don't get anywhere. Like the Twins. It gets you to the dance, but it doesn't get you a trophy in the case. Yes. It keeps a brilliant mind like Buck Showalter off a bench. You know? Mm Mm-hmm. It's it's just it's crazy. If you look at some of the successful teams over the last decade, the Kansas City team that beat the Mets yeah. was just putting the ball in play all the time. Yep. The Cubs team that won a few years ago was throwing new wrinkles at you all the time. Mm-hmm. When you thought they were going to go left, they went right, and vice versa. I hate to say it, but the Red Sox too, and I hate to say yeah. it, but the Astros too. We know they were cheating, but still, same premise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, I've actually, I've actually looked at, I've looked at that. Yeah, you're right, you're right about that. Yeah, I hope and pray that you know the trend reverses at some point. because this is not the baseball I grew up watching. Right. Right. So now back to my two managers. I'm going to go with Cash in the American League. Yeah. Uh huh. You know, they got off. They got built up by a, a twenty twenty games over five hundred, solid all year. Minimal payroll. Eight, Eight out of ten from the Yankees with a quarter of the payroll. Yep. Cash, he's my manager of the year in the American League. Okay. In the National League, I'm going to go to the National League East. Now, mind you, the Braves are a far superior team. The Phillies, the Mets were disappointing. 
the Washington was a complete disaster. I'm giving it to Don Mattingly. Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna guess that actually for you. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Just, you know, with very little, and you know he's playing little ball out of necessity because Derek sold off all the bashers. And then, so, yeah, I know. And look where it got him. That team, that team went from last place to second place. Mind you, it's a weird short year, mm-hmm. but I give them a lot of credit. Yeah, I do too. And, and Joe, thanks for the call. That's a, you know, insightful call there. Um, but when you look at, uh, let me let me see what I was going to say. Don Mattingly. Oh, and not only did Don Mattingly, like you, like you said, bring a team that was not so good into relevance, and in, within I don't know how, how how much time, not a lot of time, but. At the beginning of the season, well, first, last time I was here, we didn't know we were having a baseball season. That's I, I look back at my notes, and I was like, what was going on at that time? And I remember I was warning you guys, don't hoard all the toilet paper. I remember that. And then, still, by the way, and then you see the news that all the Marlins came down with COVID, and they were doing whatever in Atlanta. And the season really was pushed to the brink there at that point. And you're like, wow. And then all of a sudden, you're like, the Marlins are made, made it to the playoffs. How did the how did that happen? And credit where credits due to Don Mattingly. Speaking of Atlanta, I found where Chicks Dig the Long Ball came from. Where it come from? Guess what? Two Braves Hall of Famers said it in, Ooh, a, in really? a Nike commercial. It's got to be Andrew Jones. Are they pitchers or are they hitters? Yeah, pitchers. Oh, they're, oh, they're pitchers. Oh, then why would they say Chicks Dig yeah, the Long I don't Ball? Know why. Oh, okay. Uh, let's go. I thought they would be a hitter. Uh, uh, Maddox. Yep. And Glavin. Yep. Yeah, look at that. In a 1998 Nike commercial. Oh wow! Well, there you go. Nike commercial. I thought it was from a movie. But uh, but then Pat, why would they say chicks dig the long ball? Yeah, I don't know. Doesn't make a lot of sense. It doesn't make any sense to me <laughs> because <laughs> that means that they're surrendering they, they it. Don't, yeah, they don't dig the long ball. I know. We gotta get I to guess, the I guess it went with the commercial. I guess it did. I mean that's I mean unless I'm wrong that's where I you know, the Google said every that's kind of what everything came up. I wonder if they were pitchers who rake in that commercial. Maybe they had bats in there. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we'll look at that in the next commercial. All right, get aboard, guys. Eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. I see your Yankees calls on hold. I will get to you right after the break on the other side of this break. Hang in there. Eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. I'm Danielle McCartan here on the Fan. WFAN and WFAN FM, New York. Coming up tomorrow, it's a Sunday NFL doubleheader on the fan. First up, it's the Giants and Dallas Cowboys at 425 with Giants game day at 210. Then later on, it's Sunday night football as the Seattle Seahawks take on the Minnesota Vikings. All on WFAN and Sports Radio 1019. WFAN-FM, New York. And we're back and we have an answer, by the way. I'm Danielle McCartan here on the fan with Pat Boyle behind the glass doing a great job tonight. Um, and we have an answer, Pat. We have two tweets that came in. One was the the Nike commercial from Daryl. He sent it in to me on Twitter. And then James Martin has an explanation with his tweet. He just said, yo, if you talk sports, you got to know Chicks Dig the Long Ball commercial. Maddox and Glavin weren't getting any attention from Heather Locklear because Big Mac was hitting home runs. So they worked on their hitting. And there we go. Mission accomplished. It all makes perfect sense. <laughs> Problem solved, everybody. Okay, and that's what we're here for, problem solving. Although, we really can't solve the Jets' problems here tonight. Well, actually, I could. <laughs> you get rid of that coach, and that's it. That's the answer. But 
We are here. Oh, wow. We're, we're jammed again. Oh, my God. 877-337-6666 is the phone number, everybody. Um, I feel like we should just head right back into this. Um, most of these calls are about the Yankees on hold, so let's let's commiserate with what happened tonight in the ALDS. Game 5. Of course, this game went into Game 5 because I was on the radio tonight. I really couldn't sleep because of it, but it was an exciting game. I would like to use the word classic. I know that kind of might sting right now, so let's not maybe go there, but... It was a great game, low-scoring game. Um, pitcher's duel, I'd like to say that. I mean, Garrett Cole had a one hit. He hit one, a one-hitter that he worked on for, what, five and a third innings? And unfortunately for him, just I said it before, the one hit happened to be the home run to Austin Meadows. That's baseball, Susan, right? That's the saying there, right? Okay, let's go to, oh, a guy named Cash. I wonder if this is the manager of the, the Rays calling in. Cash in Philadelphia, you're on the fan. Uh, unfortunately, my name is uh, my name is Kaz. Yeah, but uh, it's oh. not after Kevin Cash. Oh, okay, it's not okay. after Kevin Cash. Okay, what's up? Um, so I gotta say though, I mean, and uh, again, I was actually elated. Like the like the last call, I was elated that the Yankees lost tonight. I'm obviously I'm from Philadelphia, so I am a Phillies fan. So okay. I'm not a Yankees fan. So so what do you think about Girardi? German. What do you think about Girardi and Didi? It's like Yankees South down there. <laughs> yeah, well, I do like the uh, well. I like some of the Yankees players. I okay. just think we need to get a little bit younger for our team. But, but, uh, but I gotta say, it's like it's more like I mean, I I was kind of watching. So I was watching the Yes Network, and I was watching Paul O'Neill, and he was saying, he goes, he goes, you gotta kind of you got to hand it to this Rays team where it's not just he goes, you know, yeah, and you look at you know you look at position by position. I mean. The Yankees have household all-star names, right. all-star type talent on you know all over the field, right. and the Rays have guys like Brandon Lau and Willie Adamas. I mean, I'm, I don't mean to be disrespectful or ignorant when I say this, but the casual baseball uh, fan doesn't know who those guys are. Yeah, I get it. I don't, I don't I've never even heard of these guys before, and I yeah. mean, I'm a big baseball fan. I never even heard of these guys before, uh-huh. you know. But it's like, but they're they're young players. They make they make plays. I mean, they make great field. They're they're great in the field. They hit in big spots, obviously, like, you know, uh, Brassell. I, is that his name, Brassell? Yeah, yes, yes. You know, they, you know what I mean? They, they pitch well. I mean, I mean, they got relievers. I mean, they got reliever after reliever after reliever after reliever that just go out and throw smoke. I mean, they're, they each have a, one of those guys are, are hitting like 99 to 100. Well, as, like, as Kevin Cash said, they, he has a stable of guys that can throw 98. Yep, and it's like... Man, it's impressive, and it's like I got. I got to say, it's like you know, the Rays. I mean, they're just a better baseball team. They just got to call it the way the way it is. They're a better. They're a better, well-run, and they're even a more well-run organization. I mean, they do more. They do more than any other team in baseball with less than any than le- with less resources than any other team in baseball. With yep. a fifty million dollar payroll. Yeah. I mean. And it's not just I mean, this year. It's it's it has been that way. That, that's it's, their it's MO. It's been that way. Yeah, it's been yeah. that way for years, like since two thousand eight till yeah. till now. I mean, they even even they haven't had many losing seasons. They've always been competing. They're always competing. They always get more with less, and it's impressive. And I gotta say, like, congrats to the Rays, man. I mean, it's wow. I mean, I was actually kind of hoping for a Yankee Dodgers World Series. I was hoping for that. Yeah. Just because I think that would be like kind of like the. East Coast, you know, West like, Coast, old school, new school kind of teams. Well, kind of. I don't really more like kind of like a. What's the word for it? Like 
I, that would be like more like the sexy World Series. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the, right. The, the more appeal to it. Yeah. Right. Yes. That you know, but I mean, I'm you know, but I'm not gonna lie. I mean, it would be nice to see their. Cause I, I actually, I will think that I think the Rays are gonna beat the Astros. I really do. Yeah. Well, I think the Rays just have too much. I think the Rays have too much pitching for the Astros. And the Astros are just too beat up. They do not have a starting rotation besides Zach Greinke. And, and he's not pitching, reliable in the pitching, postseason. Yep. Good pitching beats good hitting. And so I'm just going to say right now, the Rays will beat the Astros in the ALCS. And I think, and I mean, if they win the World Series, this is the ultimate, you know, underdog story. Yeah. It's incredible. I got to say it. You got to give them credit. They're a completely, incredibly well-run organization. You have to give them credit. Well, thanks. I appreciate the call. And, you know, I think as a Yankee fan, that's really hard to hear right now to be able to give credit to the team that just beat you. I have a cousin, you guys know, that lives in Tampa or near Tampa. He's been actually, he's a big trash talker and he actually hasn't texted me tonight at all. So I'm wondering what is going on with him. But uh, he reminds me all the time how the Yankees payroll is so bloated and how the Rays do. I just like that last caller he from Philadelphia that he the Rays are... are, are Fly, you know, they fly under the radar for so long, and then all of a sudden they come up and, and, and they get you. And the, the Rays had the Yankees number all season long. I mean, look at the, the splits where they beat them uh, in the regular season, eight games to two or seven games to two or something like that. The Rays had the Yankees number all along. Let's go to Tommy. You've been on hold for a long time. Tommy, in the car. <laughs> You're on Danielle. the fan. Good morning, Danielle. Good morning. Good How morning. are you? Good. Not too bad. So just a couple of quick things. First of all, it was a great game. Um, you're not going to get the kind of pitching that Tampa has like too often. Tampa has an incredible pitching staff. They showed the lineup last night with, I think the guy, the the lowest speed, I think it was like 94 point something mm-hmm. all the way to a hundred miles an hour. Yeah. Those, the, the Tampa, the Tampa Bay uh, uh, Rays are, I, I think they're going to take the whole thing. And you know what? you got to give them credit. I'm a diehard Yankee fan. And yesterday it was just going to basically come down to who's going to make the first mistake. Yes. And that's exactly what happened yesterday. Yep. And you know what? I I just think uh, if you hold on to Britain for one more out. In the seventh inning. I know. Yeah. If it, you, I, I think it changes the game. But at the end of the day, I'm sorry, but Tampa just has the better pitching staff. I mean, yeah, money, money, money doesn't you know doesn't guarantee you a win. But the one thing you got to say about the Yankees, they put the money back into the organization. You had a, a guy a couple of calls ago, you know, was pointing out every negative. Which Stanton, Stanton had a great series. His last at bat, I thought he got you know he got squeezed for a couple of pitches. The, was it the um, low one? The low one? That yeah, the, yeah, yeah, I know. I thought so too on that one. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I felt like, you know, he – I thought he was going to argue the call. So did bit, I. So did I. <laughs> yeah. I <laughs> he, like, he turned around. Argue. Yeah, he turned around, and then he decided against it, I guess. Yeah, so I, I just – I kind of feel like, you know, he got squeezed. But at the end of the day, it, it is what it is. And you know what? It's it's been, a, it's been a crazy year, you know, with the whole COVID thing and short season. But Tampa, yeah, I think they, they are the better team. And – the last caller said, you know, they, they are the team that has done so much more with a lot less. Yeah. And, you know, you know, money's not everything, you know. But 
Anyway, thanks for thanks for uh, taking my call. Yeah, Have a good night. Tommy, thanks. And good point. Yeah, just reiterating the fact. And, and the other thing I wrote down as he was talking was, you know, he pitched fast. That's one thing. That's sure. You could pitch 100 miles an hour, 110 miles an hour. But if you can't locate that pitch, eventually the hitters are going to catch up to it. And I believe that's what happened with Chapman tonight. I think he went to the fastball just – Maybe he didn't locate the where he wanted to put it, but it just maybe it slipped. But he was just putting the fastball, no matter how fast it was, when you put it in the same spot at the same or similar speeds, um, the hitters, especially at the MLB level, are just gonna be able to catch up to it. And that that's that. Let's go to Bob in West Haven, Connecticut. I'm just going down in order that you guys called in. Bob in West Haven, Connecticut, you're on the fan. Oh, hi Danielle. What's up, Bob? I've been a Yankee I've been a Yankee fan since nineteen forty nine. Okay. You're right about Garcia should have never been taken out of the game. Yep. They should have let him pitch, and the Yankees probably would have won it in four games. And yep. as long as they have Aaron Boone as manager, they're not going to win. They got a guy at the Yes Network that's a hundred times better manager in Showalter. If they were to put him on there, the Yankees would win. I think the problem, though, and and, the, and I think the problem with Showalter is the is why they got rid of Girardi as well, is that they don't answer to anybody. You know, they're not part of that that league of of guys that are going to sit and make that decision about Davy Garcia. They're going to say no, that's not going to happen, and I think that's why. And you're right about Girardi. They should have never let him go. Yeah, that that was that to me. I, I mean, that broke my heart when they let him go after he got them within. Uh, this rebuilding team within one game in the World Series that year, and they let him go like three or four days later. I mean, that that's that's terrible. I'm sorry. I mean, I hate to say it, but Boone's got to go. As long as he's manager, they're never going to win. Well, that's a, that's an interesting take there, Bob, and I, I appreciate your call for calling in and everything. And but it's just it's not it's not. Aaron Boone only. I mean, it's it's these guys that sit in a room and they make the decisions together. I do not believe that Davey Garcia pitching 27 pitches in that first inning that, that day was only Aaron Boone's call. I don't believe it. And I, and I don't believe it was any singular person's call that time. I don't believe it was a Brian Cashman call. It, it, was, it was a collective agreement. And that, more so than, uh, than a manager, that deep dive into this analytics is what sort of the issue is. The root of the issue is here. Believe me, I love analytics. I love watching uh, sabermetrics. I, I, I love it all. But sometimes, and I'm a coach myself, sometimes you just have to do it from the gut. Make a decision, a gut decision. Be able to say, you know what? I'm going to go against what this number here right here says on my iPad, and I'm going to keep Zach Britton in in that seventh inning. See what happens. Let him finish the inning. Davey Garcia, I mean, that was the only experience he got in the playoffs, that poor kid. 21 years old, making his playoff debut. You pitch 27 pitches and give up one run. That's not so bad when you consider the fact that the Yankees have mashers up and down the lineup when they can hit, when they do hit. Let the kid settle in, man. Sure, he's got nerves. He did fine. He, he was doing fine. It was the first inning. Then you put Jay Happ in a terrible position where he's got to warm up real quick in the bullpen. And, and I thought Davey Garcia was injured. Maybe it'll come out that he was. 
Probably not. Uh, but Jay Happ, wh- then why not just start Jay Happ if that's the key? You're going to bring him in in inning number two. Then why not? Davey Garcia has been flexible, right? So why not just start Happ at that point, bring Davey Garcia in after that? I was sitting there watching that going, this, this is the turning point of the season if the Yankees lose. And the Yankees didn't lose Friday night. About, I don't know, five or six hours ago, they lost. And that was the turning point of the season. Buck the analytics trend. B with a B. Buck it. Buck the trend there. Because you know what? It's not working. But when you use analytics to help a pitcher, for example, and I and I bring this example out, uh, up often, like uh, I believe it was Verlander. Verlander went to Houston. Okay, we know the Houston Astros were cheaters. Let's all agree that. We are rooting against the – we are all rooting against the Astros. We know that, right? But when he – and Garrett Cole, too. When Garrett Cole said he went, okay, we'll start with Cole. Cole went to the Astros, and he walked into a, a hotel a meeting room to meet with whoever, the pitching staff or whoever. And he said he walked in there, and he was blown away by the charts that they had on the walls and, and arm angles and arm slots and, and all this stuff, all these numbers. And he said he'd never seen it before. And so he goes from, you know, a good pitcher in Pittsburgh to a really good pitcher in Houston. Look at Verlander, same thing. He was good in Detroit. He was really good. Cy Young good. And Garrett Cole, too. Cy Young contender in Houston. And he, too, his his pitch, his arm slot for his curveball was was raised, I believe. But you got to look it up. But I think it was like by four inches, they brought his arm slot, his release point up by four inches on his curveball, which made him more effective. So analytics, in that sense, I'm all for Maybe, I don't know, you're, you're, if you're up at bat, I'm trying to think of an example, like, you know, you're, you're dropping your shoulder too much at the plate, and that's why you're, it's resulting. So maybe you hold the, the bat at this degree instead of this degree, and, and you'll get a better result. I think of what's popping into my head is John Carlos Stanton's um, very closed-off batting stance. I wonder if that has to do with anything with analytics. Okay, maybe you don't want to talk about Yankees. How about the Mets? Guess, guess who on the Mets was helped by, by analytics? Ahmed Rosario he had a terrible first half of the year last year. Mid-season thereabouts, defensively, he started watching some film of himself, critiquing himself, and they found out, or they saw and noticed, that when the ball was crossing the plate, he was standing too upright. Well, that's an easy fix. Get, get down on the ball when, when it crosses the plate, and you're good to go. And it resulted in better fielding percentage for him. Look it up. Look it up. So I'm behind analytics in that sense, but make gut calls if you're a manager. Oh, man, we are jammed again. 877-337-6666. This is a good night, everybody. Get aboard. Let's talk all things New York sports. I'm Danielle McCartan here on The Fan. This weekend, we take a long look back at the Yankees' 2020 season and give you lots of time to talk about it. We're also getting you ready for week five of the NFL season as we talk Giants, Cowboys, Jets, Cardinals, and all of this weekend's biggest games. And coming up tomorrow, it's an NFL doubleheader. First up at 425, it's the Giants and Cowboys with Giants game day at 210. Then it's Sunday night. Danielle McCartney. As we roll along here, I'm Danielle McCartan here with you on the fan, as you just heard. Um, Listen, we are coming to you tonight on a night where the Yankees have been bounced from the playoffs. The Yankees with 
World Series aspirations have been bounced from the playoffs on a uh, home run surrendered by their stud closer, Aroldis Chapman, for the second time in two years. We're also coming to you from a, from a weekend where the Jets are taking on the Cardinals, and we've got Giants-Cowboys, this big showdown in the wide-open NFC East, by the way, and I'm not being facetious. The NFC East is wide open. <laughs> if the Giants can just string together, I don't know, two wins, they'd be in a really good position. No one, again, wants to take the hold, the stranglehold on the NFC East, it seems. Um, and we have Mets' new ownership, first order of business, orders of business. I have a whole plan in place for Steve Cohen. Um, so anything and everything, it feels so good to be back here, you guys. Um, 877-337-66, you guys know the number. And we will go right into Robert. This is a great segue. Robert in Manhattan, you're on the fan. Hey, Danielle, nice to talk to you. Thank you, you By too. the way... Just a little bit of a coincidence and more than coincidence. The, what, how does he pronounce his name? Brasso? Brasso, yeah. You know what? Do you know any Spanish? You know what the word Brasso means in Spanish? No, but I speak Italian and I don't know. Arm. Braccio. Well, in, in Italian, it's Braccio. Braccio. B-R-A-C-H-I-O. It means, it means your arm. Oh, B-R-A-C-C-I-O. Braccio. Yeah, arm. C-C-I-O. Braccio. Yep. Yep. That's right. But Brasso means arm. Oh, interesting. More than coincidence. <laughs> That's Spanish? I okay. thought it was French. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry. What? His name? Brasso? Yeah. Oh, I, well, I mean, I don't know how he pronounces it. I heard John uh, uh, Sterling call him Brousseau. Oh, well, John Sterling so also calls John Carlos Stanton's homeworn call wrong, but let's, go, yeah, let's not well, go there. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> I Think about this. Where do you think, or let's put it this way, just watching the, oh, by the way, I'm, you know, I'm not a Ranger fan, but what an irony. Can you imagine next year? Uh, Lundquist leads the Capitals with grade A, the grade A, yeah. first crook up. Oh, what an irony. Yeah, anyway, I know, I know. What an, what an irony. Think about where it's good to be a, a sports fan these days. Where? The state of Florida. Look what we got down there. Miami, they're forcing a game six. Uh, maybe they'll force a game seven. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Look at the Rays. Look where they're going. Look at the Bucks. They may or may not win the NFC South. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry that they lost on on Thursday night in that ridiculous. He forgot the down. I know he definitely uh, forgot the down. Yes, I know. Definitely. And oh, by the way, Tampa has a championship. Yeah, they have a although Stanley you, Cup. Yeah, that's right. But although you wouldn't know it by how Fan covered it, but I don't want to get into that. That's going to cause a bit of a kerfuffle. But you, I mean, you think, and of course, then you think about the Rays. You think about the so the New York sports scene. I have to say, and I've got a bunch of adjectives. One of the things I learned from being an academic for forty years. Keep it clean. Keep the, it clean, please. This is a no, good no, call. No, no, no. It, it is. It is. Oh, I, but Daniel, please. <laughs> okay, okay. I don't want to drop I believe you. In, no, no. I believe in civility and deportment. Yeah, both of good. which. Or seem to be lacking these days in a lot of areas, not just sports, but we won't get into that either. Um, <laughs> think about this. I mean, the, the, the New York sports scene, can you tell me what team has any sniff of a championship in the next year? The Islanders. Mm, uh? Could could be, could be. Uh, well, okay. Maybe. Um, but that's yeah, it. Maybe. That's maybe. it. But, I know, I know where you're going, Giants, and that's the it. The Giants and the Jets. Yes. The Knicks, <laughs> I'm not even sure where they are. Yeah. By the way, the one thing that the, the one thing that I'm annoyed at, I just hope CBS 
gives us an alternate game on Sunday. I don't, unfortunately, I don't have the red zone. I don't uh, either. Because, yeah. because uh, the Jets are on Fox. Yes. And if that's the only game, oof. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> but in any case, let me ask you a couple of NFL questions very quickly. What, how do you see the, um, um, the Bills, uh, assuming they play, the Bills-Titans uh, game Tuesday? Um, in terms of who wins, you know, you know who, who, who do you like? I, I, you know what? To be honest with you, I like the Bills. Uh, I actually picked the Bills to win the AFC East um, prior, to, prior to the season starting. Actually, yeah. Okay. No, 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 no. It's okay. Okay. What about? Uh, how do you see the game? Uh, New England. By the way, who's playing for New England on Monday? Is Cam Newton out? You know what? I, I don't know. I've been paying so much attention to the Yankee game. I, I, I don't. I don't know. I'm going to Google it right now. Yeah, and I'm curious what the line is on that game. And uh, the third game I'm interested in, how do you see um, Cleveland and who, who's the, who are the Browns playing? Um, oh, uh, the Colts? Yeah, Colts. Indianapolis and Cleveland. I know, and that's that's like a matchup of like old school Phillip Rivers with like new school Baker Mayfield and company, you know. That's a pick game right I now. I know, I would say, I would, yeah, I don't know. I, who's home? Who's the home team? That's a good question. I'm not sure. I haven't checked my schedule yet. When it's a toss-up, I always like to go with the home team. I don't know why. I just like that. You do. Yeah, I you do. You do. All right. Well, listen, Danielle, keep up the good work. I oh, have to you. say this. You're a passionate individual. And for us uh, late-nighters who don't get much sleep, you're an insomniac's dream come true. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. And and, and before Peace. I let you go, there, there still seems to be a question mark on Cam Newton. They, they still don't know. It's either going to be they don't know. Newton, Hoyer, or Stidham, and they, they don't know as of 12 hours ago. So I don't, I don't know. Mm. Yeah, well, yeah. all right. Well, listen, take care, and sorry for the Yankees, um, but uh, <laughs> that's the way the ball bounces, I guess. That's right. That's the way the cookie crumbles. Thanks, Robert, for the call. Appreciate it. And let's go, Mike East Rockway. You're on the fan. Danielle. Mike? Great to hear you on the fan again. Thank you. I appreciate it, Mike. I'm down here in uh, south of the Mason-Dixon, Savannah, Georgia. <laughs> I'm, heading to, I'm heading to Florida to relocate to West Palm. Okay. And, uh, you know, a shout-out to, to Pat, a good producer I chatted with before I was on deck. Yeah. You know, long-time long time Mets fan, classic game, 69 series, 73 series, the dust-up at second base, Pete Rose, and Jet fan. Ooh. You know, what can you say about the Jets that hasn't already been said? I know. You know, they, they need, um, you know, they, they need to be um, re-energized. You have to expect the unexpected. You know, Danielle, all the calls this morning, I knew it was going to happen with the Yankees. What can you do? Hey, I mean, you, you got so many good players, but you have one standout pitcher. You know, Tanaka... Didn't do much of anything. Cole, you know, good pitching always beats good hitting. And I'll tell you what, uh, they really have to go and find some crying towels. I'm sure there's a, a lot of towels on sale at the sporting goods store. But uh, uh, what can you say? Hey, Yankee fans, the last time you went to a World Series in a span of 10 years, uh, it's been a long time. It's been like, uh, uh, let's see, after World War One, They've always made an appearance in the World Series in a 10-year span. But this has been uh, this has been crazy. It's been a drought. And uh, and Danielle, uh, before I let you go, that last guy I thought he was going to go on for another ten minutes minutes about uh, speaking languages in Italian, whatever. 
my buddy, he's really uh, an unofficial cousin of mine, Ralph, the coach from Cliffside. You remember him calling. Yeah, you know? yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just texted him a little while ago, so don't be surprised if Ralph is going to give you a buzz. And, Danielle, a pleasure to listen to you uh, overnight, and I hope they can find a slot to uh, get you back in the uh, lineup, you know? Well, thanks, Mike. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Danielle. Thanks a lot. All right, Ralph from Cliffside. You're on the clock there, Ralph from Cliffside. And and before we go to Stewart in Brooklyn, I wanted to say I was thinking, and I forgot to mention, that maybe the Brooklyn Nets can win a championship, but I've got plenty of ideas of how that's going to self-destruct. Um, and we can get into that. If you're a Nets fan, we can get into that. That 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 plan of not having a real coach, uh, you know, not having a figurehead coach, um, it's not going to work. <laughs> Long story short, it's not going to work. Stewart in Brooklyn, you're on the fan. Well, good morning, Danielle. Welcome back. Oh, thanks, Stuart. How are you? All right. Hanging in there, Danielle. Uh, the caller before this said they're not going to win with Aaron Boone. Well, they're not. And the brain trust, the brain trust got to get their thinking straight. I like analytics, yes, but to a certain extent. There's a certain point in time we have to go with your gut feeling. They, they didn't, with, with Garcia, you were talking about it. What did what, he gave up one run? Mm-hmm. Okay, and he was and he seemed to be settling in. Right, and then you bring in Jay Happ. Yep, and what he do? He lit the fire with the gasoline, and it it it, it exploded. And that was the end of it. That was the end. That of the was game. the end of it. Yep. And that was the end of the series. Yep, exactly. That was the end of the series. Aaron Boone, go home, go home. But I it, didn't like. I did not like Joe Girardi. But he won us a championship. Fine, he did well with what he was given. He wasn't given much all those years. Right, I agree. With you. Okay, and the thing is, Aaron Boone. Oh, please go home already. Please, I'm sick of you. I'm sick of his stupid look on the face of, on his face after every game. He has this sad, sad eyed face, and he makes me sick. The, the manager, who I like the most. Of the Yankees, and I wasn't there for him for most of his career. Was Casey Stengel? I knew you were going to yeah. say that. I almost guessed it. Yes, Casey Stengel. I knew you would Danielle, say that. I lied. That's why I was a Yankee fan from '57 to '62, and then I went to the Mets because I liked Casey, not because they're the team. And I did love Tom Seaver. And believe me when I tell you, when he passed away, yep. that hurt so bad. It was like my childhood. Part of my childhood, because I met him, May 31st, 1974, I met him and Nancy on Jamaica Avenue in Queens Village, where he was dropping his car off at Queens Village, Chrysler, Plymouth. Mm -hmm. And I spoke to him for about, I would say, 10 to 15 minutes about how, how I admired him and how I thought he was such a wonderful person. And she was such a beautiful, she's such a beautiful woman. And... The fact of the matter is, then the Mets went into disarray with uh, the M. Donald Grant getting rid of, getting, trading Tom Seaver for basically nothing, mm-hmm. and then bringing him back, and then they got rid, they they let him go again. And we're, we're, getting the, we're getting the whole history here, Stewart. Yeah, but Danielle, it go, and then yesterday losing the chairman of the board, yep. that was another heartbreak. But getting back to my point, the point is, the Mets had one good manager, two good managers. Uh, Gil, Gil Hodges, who should be in the Hall of Fame, and David Johnson. And what have they had since? Nothing. The Yankees have had Casey Stengel and uh, who else? Um, Torrey, um, Joe Torrey. Yeah, oh, uh, Joe Torrey. And then uh, after that, nothing much. 
Yeah. But then, yeah, the thing is, this is getting this is getting to be ridiculous with the analytics. The, the, sometimes you have to go with the gut, like yes. you said. Agree. And uh, you know what? I, I, it's so high. I'm so happy to hear you back on the fan. Thanks, Stuart. Hey, I a, it's a pleasure speaking with you, and you stay safe and have a good weekend. Thanks, you too. Talk to you next time. Thanks, Stuart. Let's go to Eric in Ronkonkoma. Eric, how are you? Hey, Danielle. Welcome back. Glad to hear your voice. Thank you. Well, thank I hope, you. Uh, hope everyone's well by you. Yes, everyone's so. good. You too. Hope by, for you too. Yep, yep. Uh, so far, so far doing good. Um, listen, as far as the, um, well, first of all, I would I would throw Bobby Valentine in. Mm, yeah. uh, I thought you know he, he did well for the yeah, Mets. But, yeah, agreed. Uh, you know, right. uh, look, it's, you know people call for you know Boone to go, and I mean let's be honest. I mean you know in this day and age, you know the, anyone who comes in is going to be very similar to, to Boone anyway because yep. they, they're going to want somebody coming in who's going to have to listen to the front office. Well, that's why on, they passed on, on Girardi. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And you know the the thing about you know Boone, which which I kind of liked about Rojas, in, in the same regard, is that at least they got a, a big baseball background. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, yeah. so that you know you, you can kind of fall back on that. That doesn't mean you're going to make a lot of the good decisions all the time, but at least at least you've been around the game. Uh, you know, Rojas at least has you know some you know minor league you know managerial yeah. uh, mm-hmm. experience on there, which some others don't. But you know, the the thing I that drives me crazy about the analytics. It, there's definitely a place for it. I'm not, I'm not going to say there isn't. What, what drives me crazy, though, is that when it started shifting towards that uh, angle on it, they went all in. It, was, it wasn't, you know, 70% analytics and, and 30% gut or what, what, whatever you want to call it. Right. They went 100% in, and, and every team is doing it that way, which I just don't get because these guys aren't robots. You know, I mean, it, it just it's not going to work that way. You can't. You know, complete. I mean, same thing happened when it came to the the relief pitching when it started uh, shifting that way. They they went all towards the, you know, the uh, relief pitching on there, and now now you can't get a starting pitcher going past five innings unless you get lucky. Yeah, because they just yeah the because the analytics say the third time through the order you can't let them go, you can't let them do it. I know, I I get get and yet you know, and and they panic whenever someone starts having a a no hitter or a perfect game. You know, what do I do now? Like really? (laughs) I know, I I know. Eric. Anyway, I'm glad you're back, Danielle. Uh, you have a good rest of the night. Thanks, you too. I appreciate it. Yeah, I know. I can you imagine being like a like a like a nerdy little numbers guy, and then you're like, oh my god, he's pitching a perfect game, but the numbers tell me to take him out. What do I do? I could see the the confusion. Good point. Yeah, I, I could see that. Uh, we, by the way, we got Manish Mehta coming up at 4:40, New York Daily News reporter. So um, he'll give us the scoop of the Jets moving forward and the COVID tests and everything, and more. Your calls after the break: eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. Listen to Giants football tomorrow as Big Blue heads down to Dallas to face the Cowboys. Kickoff is 425 with Giants game day at 210. Hi, this is Bob Papa. Join me along with Carl Banks and Howard Cross for all the play-by-play exclusively on your flagship station for Giants football. The Fan, Sports Radio 1019 FM and Sports Radio 66. WFAN and WFAN-FM, New York. What's poppin'? That's his song. This is a good song. I love this song. Pat, you're always so good on the music. I'm Danielle McCartan. He's Pat Boyle. We are with you until 6 a.m. on this, uh, I guess, devastating loss, ALDS loss weekend on this week, what is it, five of the NFL season. We are so lucky to have sports back, you know. Um, It was rough for a while. I mean, so what I did was right before the pandemic really hit, the, the height of it, 
I knew for, I had a feeling we were going to be in for longer than they were saying. And I went out and bought myself a PlayStation and I got my sports fix through the PlayStation. I had, I was, I still am trying. I, I, so I started out uh, real quick. I'll tell you the story. Then we'll get back to the calls. 877-337-6666. Mets, Yankees, Giants, Jets, the Nets, and how that's not going to work in Brooklyn this season. It's all on the table. Whatever you guys want to talk about. Um, just so happy to be back. But I, uh, I was playing NBA 2K. I'm addicted to that game. I am addicted to NBA 2K. Okay. This is like 2K anonymous here. And so I created a player, got drafted by the Knicks, was the star player on the Knicks. The rest of the team was was nonsense, like like real life, right? And uh, I actually uh, signed a max contract in in the game with with the Dallas Mavericks, and we are on our way to the finals. Um, I just can't find the time to actually get to the finals, all right? I was in a three-point shooting contest, so I got my sports fix over the pandemic with NBA 2K. And I downloaded MLB The Show, but I actually never played it because I've been so addicted to 2K. I don't know what it is. Okay, so uh, let's uh, head out to Bayside. Mark, you're on the fan, Mark. Hi, Daniel. Welcome back to the fan. Thank you, thank you. Uh, well, all I can say is I'm a longtime uh, Yankee fan. and I watched that game tonight, and the way the game started with Cole coming up with a big strikeout with the bases loaded. Amazing. I really felt really confident that uh, they were going to win this game. Mm-hmm. And then when Judge hit that home run, mm-hmm. made me feel more confident. And I thought back to the, the game the night before where the Yankees got the, the great uh, uh, relief pitching to back them up. Yep. So, so the, the thing that, that still blows my mind is seeing Gardner making that great catch. Uh, I, I said that there's no way the Yankees are, are going to lose. Everything is in their favor. Yep. And I was kind of feeling like like the spirit spirit of the great Whitey Ford was there to to, to help the Yankees to, to victory. What a story that would have been storyline, I should when say. Gone and made that catch. Yep. But uh, when that long at bat happened, uh, and I was and it was unfolding with, with Chapman, the ten pitch uh, to Brousseau, right? That about you're talking uh, about Brousseau. Yeah. Uh, I think it was the eight pitch into that bat. It was really a close pitch. I thought it was strike three. I mentioned that in the open. I thought it was strike three, too. And so did Chapman. He stared in at the umpire, and he smiled I at know. him. Uh-huh. There wasn't a lot of talk about that particular mm-hmm. pitch, but it was a really close pitch. Pivotal. And then when he didn't call it, I, I, I was really concerned, of course, when I saw the ball that was fouled off into the stands. Into the stratosphere. And a batter is in, mm-hmm. uh, he keeps getting his chances eventually. Mm-hmm. Something's got to give, and he hit that home run. I mean, we'll never know what would have happened if he did call strike three in that earlier pitch. Yep. But, uh, I mean, I, I just felt really good about the Yankees' chances tonight. I guess the only thing I, I could say uh, in closing about this season is, is this Yankee season had a lot of highs and lows. There were times where they were very consistent. Uh, there were players that, like Voigt that, that had phenomenal years and, yeah. and, and LeMayu and uh, – you know, you, you can't forget Hap had that really great stretch in September where he really helped the team. I don't think you can really fault him in game two. It, it was more of a managerial decision right. between Cashman, uh, you know, and Boone as to uh, the Garcia situation. They didn't put him I mean, in a six, uh, position to succeed. No way. Right. right. I, I, I feel that... Uh, you know, he he should have gone at least two or three innings. 
I mean, Garcia, yeah. had a difficult time. I heard him being interviewed on, on, on the fan uh, with Joe and Evan the other day, and, and, and he said, well, you know, uh, you know, if, if you think of the home run, he might have had him go another inning. But I, I'm sure that this, this was all worked out before. Uh, he, he really didn't want to say that this was the plan to use him as an opener. Mm-hmm. And, and then, uh, you know, Hap would, would, would face uh, you know, the, the lineup of uh, him being a, a lefty. He, he, he would face, uh, you know, uh, lefty hitters. And... Uh, it would work to his advantage, which unfortunately it didn't. That that game, I think, could have made the difference if they if they if Tanaka pitched a day earlier and and they won that game, we'd be in a different situation. Thursday night they would have won, but you can't look back. But all I could say is is that uh, um, you know the, the Shanky team will be back next year. They will be stronger next year, uh, and that. Uh, I believe uh, they will, after a full season, come through and and win a championship. I just can't believe that they haven't won since 2009. I, I was know. I was thinking about that, yeah. you know, after this was over because it's been a while. I mean, it's unbelievable because I've been through a few of these stretches. Uh, I I actually was at a game in night. Believe it or not, uh, I may not sound like it. But uh, in 1976, I was in Game 5 when Chris Chambliss hit the home runs with the Yankees uh, back in the World Series. He hit the home run off Mark Hotel. It was a 12-year stretch. I was you know, very young. I, I went to my first game in 1966. Uh, I was 10 years old at the time, and I guess I was a late bloomer. And uh, I was at the game in 76. Uh, I was also uh, lucky enough to be at the 78 World Series Games three, four, and five. I saw the great nice. Greg Nettles. So I wanted to mention that. Uh, I was at the World Series game. Mark, you have such a storied history of being at these pivotal games. Um, appreciate that. Appreciate the history here. Um, but we do have a guest coming on at 440, and I want to make sure I get to all these calls. So, Eddie. Uh, yeah, Eddie in Jersey City. You're on the fan. Hello. Uh, yes, um, I'm a lifetime Chicago White Sox fan. I moved to New York in 84, mm-hmm. and I'm also a baseball fan. And there was a caller who said that he went from Casey Stengel, and then you mentioned Joe Torrey. Mm-hmm. I think you have to give a shout-out to a very quiet man who is a very excellent manager, Ralph Hauk. Am I right? Uh, yeah, I mean, I am not privy to you know having watched any of thing anything that ralph Halk has done but he has um come up in conversation he has come up on well, there was Best a of great time story yeah. yes there was a great story about uh you know how he used to keep the clubhouse loose in jim bouton's ball four uh-huh. and he said right before a boston red sox came he said well we have a guy of the red sox batting cleanup named jim paglaroni <laughs> now who the hell is jim paglaroni and it broke up the whole team the whole team laughed and see, he kept the team loose, right. and that helped them win a lot of World Series games. Well, when when and as a coach, from I'll, I'll take it from the coach's perspective. Thanks, Eddie. Um, you know, when the kids or my teams are, are, which I hope that they are never afraid to make a mistake. That's when the mistakes happen. You had to play loose and limber and all that. Um, but I wanted to get to a point and uh, that was brought up before. You know, the Yankees are going to be stronger next year. Were the words that he used, but everyone said that about this year and. They didn't even get as far as they did last year. So 
I, I don't know if I totally, totally agree with that. All right, let's head out to Jeff in Fairview. You're on the fan. Hey, Jeff. Welcome back. Thanks, Jeff. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Yeah, you. if that guy Ralph from Cliffside calls, you could tell him that uh, I made all county in baseball in 1979. There you go. Ralph, you're on the clock. Ralph, this is, uh, this is two for you now. You're on the clock. <laughs> <laughs> Cliffside Park High School, so yep. I graduated there. Cool. All right. Thanks. Terry Collins, mm-hmm. he was a good manager also. Yes, uh, he was. A master at the double switch who didn't really, he never had really a good bullpen. And that's what I'm going to ask you a question now. Yeah. You think Cohen bringing Sandy Olsen back was a good idea? I would say this. He better fix the bullpen this time because the bullpen is probably the most important phase of the game these days. Yes. I mean, and I know a lot of these players he bought in. This is like a lot of these guys Sandy did bring in. So he's familiar with these guys. Mm-hmm. So what's your... Uh, Opinion of Cohen bringing Sandy all this event, and who do you think is going to be the manager for the match? I want Buckshaw Walter, but uh, I don't think Sandy would do that. But okay. I'll listen, I'll hang up, and listen to call. And thanks for taking my call. Yeah, thanks, Jeff, for that question there. Um, uh, and I know we're sort of kind of working up against the break a little bit uh, against the guests, but uh, I know this is like a loaded question. Sandy Alderson, okay. Um, he is the GM responsible for giving Ioannis Cespedes that monster contract. And we all, all know how that went. He gave him the highest annual salary for an outfielder in baseball history up until that point. Kind of admitted having buyer's remorse, kind of read between the lines, possibly. Um, but nevertheless, in 2020, he is taking over as team president. He's going to head up both baseball and business operations. So he's got a huge role with this new team. Um you know, you kind of look at his resume, what he's done. Oakland A's GM, he did well with a really good payroll. He rebuilt their system. I mean, he drafted, and, you know, now we know about the steroids, but Canseco, McGuire, I mean, they were all rookie of the year, uh, rookies of the years, I'm sorry, in, con- in consecutive season. I can never say that word, consecutive. Um, but the bottom line, Oakland A's, he had four division titles, three pennants, and the 89 World Series. Also, there is no Billy Bean. There is no Moneyball. We've been talking a lot tonight about analytics. There is none of that. No sabermetrics, as we know it today anyway, without Sandy Alderson. Rebuilt the San Diego Padres into a contender. You know, he was with the Mets, and that was like the Madoff scandal stuff. So give him sort of a pass. Divisional title, a pennant, and obviously the World Series in 2015. Um, so, yes, in a long story short, yes, I like Alderson. Um I think, oh man, I, I wish we could talk more about this, but maybe after the break. But I do think that um, it's too much to be bringing in a new manager at this point. I mean, the whole entire ownership, the whole entire front office, I mean, all of that is changing. So I think that Mets players would appreciate a little bit of consistency. And I think the fate of Luis Rojas is safe for now, as um, at least for one more season as manager of the Mets. Uh, maybe... Eventually, the new GM, because I don't think Brody Wagonen is returning, the new GM might want to get their own guy in there. So, long story short, uh, Alderson, great hire. Luis Rojas, manager of the Mets next year for sure. Let's go to Tim in Hartford. You're on the fan. Hey, Danielle. What's up, Tim? Um, this four outfield alignment with Tampa Bay. Yes, I wanted to bring that up. Good point. Yes. I'll tell you what. You know, Judge hit the home run. Yep. And I coached in high school many, many years ago back in Ohio. Yep. But 
Um, uh, Hicks is up next. You've got three guys on the right side of the infield. You've got one guy between uh, second and third. If he bunts down the third baseline, he's got a double. In I fact, know. Robinson Cano did that once with the Yankees at Fenway Park, and the ball rolled all the way and hit that abutment that kind of comes out at Fenway yes. Park. Yep, yep. Why? Don't, I mean, when I coached in high school, you didn't take batting practice the first, unless you could first two, run it down first baseline. I'm with you. Second two, run it down third baseline. I'm with you. And they were they were doing. And I know the argument about well, you know, the power hitters. Hey, there are going to be times when a pitcher is dealing and you're not hitting. Him. And guess what? In a one nothing game, what do you need? You need base runners. Mm-hmm. I'm with you, they're, Tim. Every step of the way, I'm with you. They're, yep. They're, they're giving it to you. Mm-hmm. Take it. Exactly. For God's sake. I know. But, Today's players, you know, they make millions of dollars, and I, I'll bet you 75%, if not greater, don't know how to bunt. You know, and another point you brought up, and, and yes, and, and, and two things. One, when Gleyber Torres was kind of put in a position where he showed bunt and almost tried to bunt against the shift, and then the very next at bat, he hits the home run. I don't know if you caught it before, but as a hitter, it really, really laser focuses you on, on the release point of the pitch to be able to. Oh, to, to, exactly. And right. a lot of times, guys, I mean, back in the, I mean, I'm, I come from the Mantle Maris, that, that era. Yeah. You know, uh, guys would say, and Rizzuto used to say this all the time, when guys were in slumps, you know how to get out of it? Bunt. Yep. Because it forces you, like you said, focus on the release point. Yep. Focus on making the bat hit the ball. Yep. And then the, and the very next set bat, he hits that monster shot off the, the Western Metal Supply Building Company. Uh, right. Torres. I mean, these, these shifts just, they absolutely kill me. And then, yeah. you know, of course, you got the the machine, DJ. They're not going to shift against him because he hits the ball all over the place. Yep. But, yep. but why they don't teach these guys how to bunt, the, the, the shift would very quickly. Uh, you, you tell me you're going to give me a base runner in, in an inning or two. Hey, I'm taking it. Yep, exactly. You never know and, what can happen, and, right? And I and I played shortstop. Me and too. And I'll tell you what: when you got a runner on base, there's so much more you have to think about. Yep. Yep. Field the position put, first. Put, don't put, break for second on a run. Yeah, I got exactly. you. Exactly. You got to put pressure on the defense, but you can't do that if you go up there and you're taking three swings and and, and not sitting down. Contact. I got you, Tim. I, I got you. And and one more point I wanted to make about that. And uh, we got Manish Mehta, Manish Mehta, I'm sorry, coming up at uh, 4.40. So right after, on the other side of this commercial break, we got Manish Mehta. Very good conversation about the Jets, um, I'm sure. And so well, the one, the last point I wanted to make, and and I feel like I, I was watching, I feel like I was in like Groundhog's Day or, or 51st Dates when she can't remember and he has to keep doing the same thing over and over again. Aaron Judge trying to take an outside pitch, t- trying to pull an outside pitch. How many times do we have to see that? How many times do we have to watch him ground out to third base? I think to end the game, I think twice. We, I just don't understand, as Tim was saying, like as a coach myself, my players all learn how to bunt. My players all learn situational hitting. My players learn how to go with the pitch to whatever field it is that it should be going into. So an outside pitch to a right-handed batter should not really be ending up in the third baseman's glove. That pitch should end up in left field somewhere, over the fence somewhere. 
That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> but I, I, I guess I'm old school approach to hitting. Uh, Mini Schmidt coming up momentarily. I'm Danielle McCartan on The Fan. Sunday means tons of football on The Fan. Tomorrow, right after Mark Malusis and Nick Costas hosting You Better You Bet, it's Mark and David Deal with Football Sunday beginning at 9 a.m. Then later on, it's an NFL doubleheader with the Giants and Cowboys at 425, followed by the Seahawks and Vikings, following the Giants postgame show, all here on WFAN and Sports Radio 1019, WFAN-FM, New York. When they say they're doing all this and Welcome back, everybody. I'm Danielle McCartan here on WFAN Radio with Pat Boyle behind the glass, Drake on the tunes, and Manish Mehta coming up momentarily. We're going to preview. Um, well, first, we're going to get the latest on the COVID news with the Jets. I'm sure you've seen the headlines of how um, the Jets may be the next team afflicted with COVID um, after, you know, what has happening, the breakout that's happening with the Titans, etc. cetera. Uh, we'll talk matchup versus the Cardinals. Uh, to be honest with you, I think... Don't ask me how I know this or why I think this, but I think the Jets pull this one out this weekend, and we could talk more after the interview. Um, And we'll also talk about the structure of the team. That's kind of the structure of the interview. So latest on COVID, matchups versus the Cardinals, and uh, and structure of of the team now and moving forward in terms of GM, front office, coaching, et cetera. All right, everybody, let's welcome in Manish Mehta to McCartney After Midnight here on WFAN Radio in New York. He obviously covers the Jets and the NFL for the New York Daily News. Uh, Manish, uh, you've been all over this Jets COVID situation from the jump this morning. I know the Cardinals plane has left Arizona around 6 p.m. I guess you were just at the briefing with with Adam Gase. So a lot of questions. How many players are affected? Do we yet know who it is? Do the Jets plan to make that public? And what is the status of the game? Well, the status of the game is it's still on, uh, you know, as of Friday night. Uh, Sunday at one o'clock at MetLife Stadium. Now there was a, a presumptive positive test uh, for one player uh, this morning, and that's a test that was taken on Thursday. You know, players get the results on Friday morning, and that player was retested, uh, as were other players who were believed to be in close contact with him. Uh, I was told it was some offensive players. Uh, regardless, uh, the team announced later in the day, Friday, that uh, you know all tests for coaches and players that were taken subsequently on Friday came back negative. So uh, they'll be retested obviously again uh, on Saturday, but uh, as of now, no positive test. It was a false positive, which is good news because uh, the NFL doesn't have to step in and wonder whether it makes sense to postpone the game for later in the season or delayed a couple days. uh, Like you saw with the Patriots uh, last week with Cam Newton testing positive. So as of right now, all systems go, the, uh, as you said, the, the, the Cardinals are going to land. Uh, they probably already have landed in New Jersey, and uh, they'll be in New Jersey on Saturday with the expectation that the kickoff uh, will still be at 1 o'clock on Sunday. All right, so then it doesn't matter who it was. It was a false positive, Jets fans. Okay, so Manish, let's get going on this week's game. Um, you know, apparently Sunday it's going to be played. So the Cardinals, um, based on my research here, they, they've been two teams this season, the Dink and Dunk team, that's 0-2, and then the air raid team, which is 2-0. My question to you is, who on the Jets' defense can possibly stop DeAndre Hopkins? Well, no one person will be able to do that, Danielle. And I think Greg Williams is smart enough to understand that. So whether it's playing zone, whether it's uh, you know having a, a safety over top of a, a corner, uh, you know that's to be determined. Uh, 
it's interesting the way that the Cliff Kingsbury's offense is designed. Uh, you know, they spread you out. They'll have three receiver sets. They'll have uh, more four receiver sets than uh, virtually any other team in the league. So uh, it, it puts his, it puts a lot of stress on, on the secondary. So for as good as DeAndre Hopkins is and as for as dominant as I think he can be and will be, assuming that he's healthy because he's dealing with a bum ankle, uh, you really do have to keep your eyes all across the field when you're going up against this offense just because of the way that it's implemented. He's got a running quarterback in Kyler Murray, so he can take off and run. He leads all quarterbacks in rushing yards this year. He scored four rushing touchdowns as well. So, you know, a true dual threat. And, and as you said, look, I mean, they're not always clicking on all cylinders. And I, I think you've seen that the last couple of weeks, but specifically last week when they lost to Carolina, their offense and Murray really struggled. Right. And, you know, it, Manish, is there a coincidence? I seem to think so. Between two veteran players calling out Adam Gase's lackluster practices and then him ramping up practices this week because or or is this a result of Adam Gase being spoken to by someone above his pay grade? No, I think it's the former. I mean, what you said is is probably uh, what precipitated a change in practice this week. And Adam Gase said that, look, you know, there's a typical way of handling these practices where you kind of ramp up uh, the intensity from start to finish, uh, especially this year with uh, all the COVID concerns and protocols in place. And you want to make sure your guys are not going to uh, get injured because of this unusual off season where they didn't really have that much work. So you you want to be cautious, but at, uh, at the same time, being cautious has not helped this team because it, they've struggled out of the gate as every Jet fan knows. And, uh, you know, I thought it was telling a couple of weeks ago when Bradley McDougal and uh, Williamson said, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. Practices were a little bit sluggish. Uh, maybe the tempo, the intensity, however you want to describe it, you know, needed to pick up and, Adam Gates' initial response was, well, you know, there's nothing to see here. Everything's fine. Uh, I haven't gotten any complaints. And then, you know, a, a week, two weeks later, he's altered uh, his, his practice script. Uh, and I think that might be you know, partly because of desperation, because uh, nothing has worked to this point. So why not change it up? So I actually agree with him. You know, why, why keep on, you know, banging your head up against the wall? when it's not working. So I'm all for change and, and adapting and trying different things. Uh, and again, I think this is perhaps born out of desperation, but regardless, uh, it, it is an encouraging sign on some level that Adam Gates is, you know, at least attempting new things because, you know, he's been a historically stubborn guy and, uh, you know, because things aren't working right now, I think it is the right course of action to, you know, try something different. It can't get worse. Le'Veon Bell figures to be back on the field on Sunday. The ideal game plan to involve him, we all know by now, doesn't always match up with the game plan that's actually rolled out for him. All that considered, what can we expect to see on his return on Sunday? Well, I hope he gets used properly. Uh, now, that that's not going to result in a 25-touch game. You know, this isn't the Le'Veon Bell that we were used to seeing in Pittsburgh. And you know, I've said it for the better part of a year and a half that, you know, he wasn't deployed properly last year. Uh, Adam Gase likes the running back by rotation. So whether that means uh, Le'Veon Bell like Michael P. Ryan or a blend of Le'Veon Bell like Michael P. Ryan and Frank Gore, I tend to think it's going to be a three-headed monster. Uh, and you also have to factor in Le'Veon Bell coming off a hamstring injury, so you don't want to overuse him. Uh, so, you know, for me, it's it's never been about sheer volume. It's about how are you strategically using him, you know, as a pass catcher, uh, hopefully, 
for the Jets' sake, uh, whether it's lined up outside or lined up in the slot and as a running back. But I do think that you have to use him in more creative ways than he was used a year ago. Uh, and, you know, we saw one half of football this year before he got hurt. Ironically, he got hurt on a, a really good play call by Adam Gase, so, uh, a pass route that uh, that uh, Bell was hurt on because he landed awkwardly after being tugged on by the linebacker. So uh, yeah, I'm very curious to see how Gase deploys him because, again, I don't expect a heavy volume per se, but if you can use him strategically, uh, he can certainly help out Joe Flacco, that's for sure. And that seems to be the issue with Adam Gase here. Um, so, I mean, Christopher Johnson called him a, this is a quote, brilliant offensive mind. I, I'm, get, I'm curious to see your thoughts on it. Was that a real vote of confidence in Adam Gase after week one, or was that obligatory? Oh, that's a great question. I can't get into Christopher Johnson's head, uh, but he has publicly said consistently that he believes in Gase. You know, I, I've always believed that uh, you know he's in too deep uh, to turn back on Gase right now. Now, you know, a couple months from now, or even after the season, things can change. But I don't think, you know, uh, one, two, three weeks after you call somebody a quote-unquote brilliant offensive mind, that you can walk that back. So, you know, obviously there's a lot of frustration among the fan base. Uh, people want heads to roll. They want a coaching change. Uh, the Johnson family has owned the Jets for over 20 years and they have never once fired a head coach in season. Right. Uh, I'm not saying that change, but I just don't think that it was ever really practical to expect a coaching change one month into the season. And about two weeks after the CEO uh, called his head coach brilliant, uh, you know, that's just, you know, that wasn't feasible. Now, again, if things really go off the rails, the jets have a late bye week, uh, you know, could they make a change week 11, uh, you know, mid to late November? Uh, it's to be determined. You kind of want to see how the next several months unfold. But, uh, you know, I, I think Christopher Johnson's going down with the ship, uh, you know, because his brother's going to come back in all likelihood. The owner, Woody Johnson, he's going to have real decisions to make after the season. Uh, but Christopher Johnson has you know, put all his chips into the middle of the table for Adam Gase, and I think he's going to sink or swim with him. Manish, I got to take you to task a little bit. January of last year, you actually used that same word, brilliant to describe Adam Gase's hiring. My question to you, I'm not going to kill you for it, but what do you know now that you wish you knew then? I know a lot more now. Look, when you're covering a guy and a team, uh, you know, day in and day out for a year and a half, you get a much better sense of, you know, how a guy operates. Now, during the coaching search, we're talking about, I don't know, 10 days, probably. It's a compressed amount of time. There's a, you know, a handful of serious candidates. The Jets essentially had about, you know, three or four serious candidates and you try to delve into each guy as best as you can as quick as you can so you reach out to people across the league uh, who have worked with worked for uh, each of these candidates you know Adam Gase uh, was one of them uh, you know Todd Monken was another Matt Wool was another those are probably the three finalists the, the, the three guys who had the best opportunity of right. succeeding Todd so look you do your homework as quickly and best as you can but you get a much better sense and a much better handle of how a guy truly operates behind the scenes after he gets the job and you have more time. So, uh, you know, obviously I was supportive about the decision and obviously I have learned a lot uh, <laughs> since that. And, and I've always believed, and, you know, this is a fundamental principle, not just with this particular case, but just generally speaking, the more information you get, you are allowed to change your opinion and your opinion yeah. should evolve with more information. If you just have a static opinion and you're stubborn about it, regardless of what you actually see and hear, subsequently, 
then you're doing you're just you're doing in my case you're doing your readership a disservice yeah i totally agree with you yeah sure um now you mentioned the johnsons haven't fired a coach in season but i, I actually looked the the maras and the tishes haven't done it in 41 years they fired ben mcadoo what are the benefits from keeping Adam Gase? And, and I don't want to hear about benefiting Sam Darnold because he's, he's not doing him any service. So what could be a benefit possibly? I don't know. I'm trying to think myself of keeping Adam well, Gase on. I, I mean, there is a financial component to it. Uh, it it's, you know, it, it's minimal, relatively speaking, when you consider that it's a multi-billion dollar organization. Uh, there's a, you know, a relatively small financial component to it. But again, I think this comes back to Christopher Johnson, uh, you know, being all in with this guy until uh, he can't be all in with him. And again, you, you don't give someone that level of support and then cut the cord publicly, because if you do that a couple of weeks after you support the guy, that guy's gone, right? So the Adam Gates would be out of the picture, but you're, as the CEO, you're still there. So I think that reflects even more poorly on Christopher Johnson. I think he's fully aware of that as well. So, uh, you know, he's keeping his fingers crossed that this guy turns it around. But I completely agree with you, Danielle, that there is, no benefit to Sam Darnold to keeping uh, Adam Gase. Now, look, I know, I know what the spin was coming from the organization, and you know there are people out there who are uh, gladly, you know, trying to get that spin out there. But if you're a logical, rational fan, you are fully aware that Sam Darnold's not going to get worse if Adam Gase is out of the picture. Correct. The odds are great that Sam Darnold's either uh, going to, you know, be the same, or in all likelihood, be better. And I think Jim Bob Cooter is a guy who was an offensive coordinator, play caller for Matthew Stafford in Detroit for a while. Uh, he would be the logical uh, successor if there was a change. Now, the head coach would be Greg Williams. Jim Bob Cooter would be the offensive coordinator. But again, I don't think you're doing Sam Darnold any harm by you know, cutting the cord with Adam Gates. That's ludicrous. And again, if you're, if you're being objective about it, I think you know it's, it's an absurd premise. Yep, totally agree. And I had a great question sent to me on my Facebook page is Brian from Queens. And it's something I've been wondering too, especially with the injury with no definitive timeline to return as far as I know, but have the Jets made a decision on Sam Darnold yet? No, no, that, you know, the, the quick answer is they haven't, uh, you know, digging it a little bit deeper. Now, Joe Douglas believes in Sam Darnold, uh, you know, entering the season. Let's, you know, I don't think his opinion is drastically going to change after four games. But uh, when Joe Douglas says he believes in Sam Darnold, that's not lip service. Now, Joe Douglas has given lip service on a litany of other uh, topics. But when it comes to Sam Darnold, uh, I think he does believe in Sam Darnold. Now, let's see how the next you know, 12 games go, or for Darnold, it's going to be less, obviously, because he's not playing this week and, and maybe not next week either. But let's see how the next you know, couple months or so go. Uh, I, the Jets have not pulled the plug on Darnold. I don't think the Jets are all in on Darnold either. It's more of a wait and see. Uh, and, you know, I think it's extremely unfortunate because there's no bigger believer in Sam Darnold uh, than, than me. And I think that the organization has done him a disservice by not surrounding him with adequate weapons, by surrounding him with a substandard offensive line, even though it's a new offensive line, it's not really better or it's, not, you know, it's marginally better. Uh, they haven't given him the weapons that uh, a Buffalo has given Josh Allen or Cleveland has given Baker Mayfield or Arizona has given Kyler Murray. We talked about DeAndre Hopkins. These, these teams are giving their young quarterbacks weapons, whether it's DeAndre Hopkins in Arizona or Stefan Diggs in Buffalo or Odell Beckham in Cleveland. All of these young guys are having potential game changers added to their roster to benefit them during their critical stage of development. All of those teams accept the Jets. 
and we and let's not forget the Jets drafted Denzel uh, Mims in round two out with injury. My final question is this. Joe Douglas, he's been very complimentary of Adam Gase. It's kind of bothered me. I'm not ready to pack it in on Douglas yet. What's the feeling inside the building? Are they a package deal moving forward, Gase and, and Douglas? No, they're not a package deal. Now, obviously, Joe Douglas got the job because he was hand, Adam Gase's handpicked choice after right. Mike McTagnon was fired. But uh, Joe Douglas has a uh, essentially a six-year contract. So his contract runs longer than Adam Gase. So in effect, he actually has more quote-unquote power uh, than Gase does and I think that every general manager frankly should have an opportunity to hire their own head coach and I believe that Joe Douglas will get that opportunity I think that opportunity is going to start in the first or second day of the new year and then uh, then the clock begins on the new head coach and Joe Douglas because I think those two guys will be tied at the hip and their fortunes will be uh, you know they'll they'll be linked you know for the next two, three years, however long it may be. But I don't think that this is a situation where Woody Johnson would come back from the UK and then clean house. Uh, there's just too much money in frankly invest both of those guys. It's one thing to pay off a head coach who's no longer uh, employed by you, but paying off the 18 to $20 million that Joe Douglas has coming his way on top of the head coach. Uh, I'm fairly certain that Woody Johnson would not want to do that and will not do that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you there. All right. So, um, I mean, I guess that's it for tonight. So we'll be tuned to your Twitter feed this weekend. Any breaking Jets news we got, uh, you know, tune into you, including any COVID-related updates or changes to anything. But it looks like we're all systems go. Manish, thank you so much for your insight and for your time tonight. Thanks, Danielle. I appreciate it. Thanks, Danielle. I appreciate it. And the Jets are, are going to be, uh, I think, 1 o'clock. 1 o'clock versus the Arizona Cardinals. The game is all systems go, as you heard with Manish. And um, we'll be taking more recalls after the break. 877-337-6666. Time for the update with Kevin Dexter. Danielle McCartney. Sports Radio 101.9 FM. And Sports Radio 66. Well, good morning, everybody. That is waking up at 5.04 and 43 seconds on this Saturday morning. We are entering our final hour here of McCartan after midnight. We are now, I guess, shifted officially into McCartan in the morning. So good morning if you're waking up. Thanks for sticking by us, Pat and I, if uh, if you are still hanging in from the 2 o'clock start time. We well, appreciate that. We are coming to you uh, on week five NFL action. Um, but I guess more importantly, more prolifically, it's after the Yankees' loss to the Tampa Bay Rays in game five of the ALDS. We've talked about many, many things about Aaron Boone, and you know what, guys? I know you're trying to call for Aaron Boone's head here, but, you know, it's 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 a team effort. I mean, he's not the only one making the decisions here. We've talked, um, we've talked about how the Yankees have more questions now than, I guess, when they entered the series. Um, and if you guys want to get aboard to talk about any or all of this, any New York sport thing, I'm just so excited to be back with you guys so that Anything is on the table, literally anything. So we've also talked about how uh, Carlos Stanton, is, is it okay to, to to give him a pass on, on that last strikeout? Is it? I mean, based on what he, he did offensively in all the other games, home run after home run after home run, grand slam, can the Yankees fairly and outwardly question Aroldis Chapman's ability to shut the door in big spots? Is he truly that dominant closer? 
But how could you possibly call him that, that after two instances in a Yankee uniform in back-to-back years? Last year, Jose Altuve hits the, the walk-off in the ALCS again, uh, off of him. And then this year, it's Brosseau. He's hitting the, the walk-off uh, home run. Uh, not walk-off. He's walk, hitting the, the game-winning home run tonight to send the Yankees into the ALDS. Both came off Chapman. Is he as dominant as we think he is? I, I'm, I'm going with no. You can't be called dominant. Mariano Rivera was dominant. And yes, he also made mistakes like that too. But it doesn't happen on on the you know on a on a home run to end the Yankee season two years in a row. Send them home early. Yankees, by the way, that had World Series aspirations starting way back and and for years now, and they haven't been able to get it done. Can the Yankees fans maybe start to question? Maybe start to call. We heard it tonight to dismantle that feast or famine approach at the plate finally and once and for all. I think free agency is going to dictate that. DJ LeMahieu, his base hit mentality is highly coveted all across the league. What will the Yankees do to lock him up in pinstripes for a long period of time? Because that's what I believe should happen. And I think if you're a Yankees fan right now, I know it maybe still might sting or hurt a little bit to hear this, but I think you'd rather lose to the Rays in Game 5 than to the Astros because you know, in your heart of hearts, you know, there's only so much luck. The Yankees did not have the pitching depth to beat the Astros this year, let's be honest. And to accentuate that point, I'm going to point to when Aaron Boone tried to outraise the Rays in Game 2. You knew that if this series was going to be lost by the Yankees, you knew that that negligent move in Game 2, that cute, gimmicky, Start Davey Garcia as an opener, bring in Jay Happ. It was it, that was going to be the turning point of the season, and in fact, it was. It, it put Happ at a, a disadvantage right from the get go. Talk to any starting pitcher; that's they're, they're creatures of habit. Starting pitchers, all of them will tell you that. And to screw with that, it set up Jay Happ to fail. And then after that, you know you don't have that many pitchers available to you. Why would you? put Davey Garcia in for 27 pitches, take him out, and not be able to use him again. So we can talk about anything you would like to talk about. Yankees, the Jets, as you just heard, are all systems go. You heard from Manish Mehta that the Jets are all systems go. I actually, in, in same old Jets fashion, I think the Jets pulled this one out this weekend. Don't ask me how or why I think that. I just think that having Joe Flacco in there who was Super Bowl MVP in, in, in the year 2013. So what, seven years ago, he was a Super Bowl MVP. It just, I don't know. I, I feel like it gives confidence to, here I am trying to explain it. I don't really know, but I feel like it just gives confidence to, you know, an offensive line, a younger, I guess, offensive line, inexperienced, maybe at least together, that he could be able to pick out coverages based on his experience in the league and pick up the mic and, and all that. And, I don't know. I just feel like having Joe Flacco. I mean, I could be totally wrong, but I just feel like having Joe Flacco in there is like a calming presence, a commanding presence. And I know I'm not talking about like Peyton Manning and the second coming of Peyton Manning here. I, I get that. But anything's better than Sam Darnold at this point, to be honest with you. And because if you look down any offensive statistical category for the New York Jets, pick one, close your eyes and pick one, and then drag your finger all the way to the bottom, you'll find NYJ there, no matter what it is. Points scored, first downs, all of it. They're at the bottom for all of it. So while he's out, 
I don't know. I feel like uh, I feel like the Jets might might win. I know that sounds crazy. You might be like, yeah, right, okay, and pro- maybe. But then we look at the Giants, and Jason Garrett has broken up with the Cowboys. They grew apart. They broke up after ten years, and the Giants are on four, same as the Jets. But it just feels different, doesn't it? Just feel like they're it's still on four, but doesn't it just feel like they're trending upwards? whereas the Jets are not, right? Because there's only four teams left in the NFL that are 0-4. Giants, Jets, and don't Google the other ones, I got you. Giants, Jets, Texans, who just fired their coach, nudge, nudge, Christopher Johnson, and the Falcons. So Giants, Jets, Texans, Falcons. But let's back up here. The Giants, they, they hired a new coach. They hired a new offensive coordinator, a new defensive coordinator, countless other personnel. And that was all heading into this season, this COVID season. And then they finally have a quarterback who's taking the reins all by himself, a young kid. They're taking the training wheels off of him because Eli Manning's now gone. And but and it also prior to the season, because of COVID, no inter-squad practices. They're all canceled. All preseason, preseason games canceled. Virtually no off-season program. And no, that's no pun intended. So things are still coming together for the Giants. There's a lot of moving parts. And, of course, it certainly helps that they are in one of the worst divisions in the entire league. It's the only division in the entire league that has a team with a losing record sitting on top of it. The Eagles at 1-2-1. and one. And to furthermore prove my point, let's not forget, things would look a lot different if, and I know we're playing the if game, but think back to week two in Chicago. After a 13-play, 40-yard last drive down the field in what basically was like a two-minute offense, Daniel Jones makes a better throw from the 10-yard line, if he does, to Golden Tate in the end zone. That game ends very differently. That's a win. Think about L.A. week four. After another seven-play, 62-yard drive down the field. If Daniel Jones doesn't throw that interception at the goal line, which, by the way, was an excellent diving catch, by the way. Jones, he just didn't lay it in there. But if he doesn't throw that interception at the goal line, maybe the Giants squeak that one out, too. So then we're really looking at two and two, which is not so bad and good enough for first place in the NFC East. So the Giants are about to embark on a a, a very telling journey here, including this week's game versus the Cowboys. Five of their next six are against NFC East opponents. So with that said, the Giants are trying to make Sunday's game versus the Cowboys a statement game. And Jason Garrett's return to Jerry World after that hurtful breakup. And of course, and and I think that it's the Giants will will not win that game. Um there are some things that I just I don't like um about their matchups. I mean, I just don't like I mean, you got to give Daniel Jones time. I get that. You got to give him an up-tempo offense so he doesn't think about anything, so he doesn't hitch once, twice, three times, no hitches. Get the hitches out of there. He makes decisions a lot faster, and the ball comes out of his hand a lot faster. So I'm hoping that that Jason Garrett can keep the up-tempo, right? But I think that the playmakers, I mean, and, and I don't really know what's going on in Dallas. No one really does. And if I did know how to figure out why Dallas Cowboys fans are so crazy about, about you know, ready to jump ship, I mean, they've got Prescott, Elliott, Elliot, Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, who's showing that he is as good, if not better than advertised, coming out of that draft. 
that's how this team has built their offensive run, and I think um, the Giants' defense is just really not up to the task. I mean, when I watch the Giants, I kind of think of like, I know I, I talked about uh, 2K before, playing 2K in, in the show, but when I play Madden, I mean, the Giants' defense kind of looks like mine when I play Madden. <laughs> it's just in the way of an eventual touchdown. That's what I feel. That's, that's, you know what I'm talking about if you play Madden or if you're not really that good at it. That your defense, you might as well just get off the field and let them score so you can get the ball back. It's kind of what it feels like. Not obviously that bad, but that's kind of what it feels like. So, I don't know. I just think the Cowboys end up pulling this one off. I think Dak is, in fact, as good as advertised. I mean, I, he took his team to the playoffs two of his four years and was a Pro Bowl quarterback in two of those seasons. His fifth year this year to be determined. So, I say uh, Cowboys kick it into gear this weekend. I think Cowboys 35 Giants 21. Oh, and I never gave you a Jets score. Um, I had it written down. Uh, I think the Jets do, in fact, win this game. And by the score of... Where is it? I can't find it. It was real close. I think I had 24... 24-21, I believe I had for the Jets. Yeah, uh, Jets 24. Yeah, Cardinals 21. I just think somehow they, they, uh, they've they got a Le'Veon Bell returning. They're practicing harder, apparently. They've got a determined Joe Flacco who wants to play in this league and get them going in the right direction. So Jets 24, Cardinals 21, Jets win, Cowboys 35, Giants 21, Cowboys win. Um, and, and we can also talk some Mets too if you'd like. Maybe what is the or, orders of businesses for Steve Cohen and company? I think number one is to, to join the 21st century because the Mets have the second the smallest analytics department in the entire league. I think second, number two, is to figure out your team's identity. Are they win now? Or are they, are they more apt to like a short rebuild? Depends on who you ask. I mean, what do you think? I think the Mets are win now. And then what about spending your money on free agents and new contract offers? I likened it before. I used the Mets. They've been shopping off, off the fast food menu for so long. That to open up the, the lighted menu. Have you ever been to a restaurant that had a lighted menu? I went to one in Vegas. Martirano's once. It had a lights in the menu. So, so cool. Now they're going to get to pick off that menu. And we'll see what they can do with Steve Cohen's money. So that's my uh, thing for the Mets. Obviously, we're going to take all of your calls about anything related to New York sports, including the Nets, if you want to talk about their coaching debacle, which is going to blow up. <laughs> 877-337-6666. I'm Danielle McCartan, here with you on The Fan till 6 a.m. Hi, this is Bob Papa. Join me along with Carl Banks and Howard Cross for Giants football tomorrow as Big Blue heads to Dallas to take on Dak Prescott and the Cowboys. Our coverage begins at 210 with kickoff at 425. You're on your flagship station for the New York Giants, The Fan, Sports Radio 1019 FM and Sports Radio 66, WFAN and WFAN-FM, New York. Here we are, 5.20 in the morning, about 40 minutes to go to get aboard, join the conversation here. Um, you can also join online, too. Actually, I'm about to read a tweet out. You can tweet me at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N or Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan here. And um, uh, I guess your first name is Mitt. It's at Mitt underscore Yennard. He said, great to have you back, Danielle. So when do we head down to Tampa to teach some of the Yankees to bunt? LOL. <laughs> so I just responded to him. I said, uh soon as Florida comes off the COVID non-travel restricted list or whatever. Yeah, let's let's go do it. I know how to bunt. 
I was never really good at it. I was never really a bunter, and I, and I know coaches are cringing right now. I was never really a bunter, but I could do it if, if I really needed to. I'm just, I was, I'm really scarred because this girl Gabby on my team, when I was a freshman, she was a sophomore, we had to practice, you know, the first couple were off the pitching machine were bunts. And probably not a bad, the really good idea because it, this was before the, the cages, the mandatory cages on the, on the face mask, on the helmets. And, of course, when you put the ball in the jugs machine, it creates a spin. And uh, Gabby um, stuck the bunt out, caught it on her nose, and I'm a little scared to bunt now, to be honest with you. After seeing that, that was pretty messy. So, um, yeah, only when called upon, only when absolutely necessary was I a bunter, only because of that. Okay, let's head out to Eddie in the Bronx. Eddie, you're on the fan. Hey, Daniel, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm all right. I mean, last night was a little crazy, but now I, I like now the baseball season's over. I I I gotta get into my uh, New York Giants mm-hmm. just to change the subject a little bit. And, sure. Um, I've been calling for the past couple of weeks, and and I know this may sound crazy. People say you shouldn't root against your team, right? And um, at this point, I, in all honesty, I'm rooting for the Jets, and I'm a, I'm a hardcore Giants fan since I could talk. But I hope the team goes 0-16 because, literally, we're not going anywhere. And the reason I want 0-16 is because I, I think Mara and Tish are losing touch. And I think the pure embarrassment of going 0-16 would finally make something click. Mm. And the only thing is that Gettleman has to go. And, and the thing about it is, is people saying, well, you can't take a quarterback if you end up with the number one pick. I don't think we're going to end up with the number one pick, but I hope we do. But it's Daniel Jones' job to not have that land in management's lap. To me, I think if he's got anything in him, people say, well, the O-line, don't let us get the first pick. Don't let it happen. My thing is, is that if you're good enough, to me, he should be good enough to not let that happen. And if you're not, then now, now, now you've got to ask. You can't let Trevor Lawrence pass. And my thing is, is all Giants, all, all of us as Giants fans have just seen what Gettleman has done, passing up on two good defensive players in the draft, basically um, doubling back on, doubling down on Leonard Williams. Mm-hmm. And now people say, don't waste a draft pick on Trevor Lawrence. Are you kidding me? Like at this point, people are like basically saying, like, oh, now we would have to start over again. It's like we're on a trip to California, and like we really, we're just on the George Washington Bridge. It's not that far to turn back around. <laughs> like it's not that far to go. We don't have to go that far. But yeah. I don't know what your thoughts yeah, are. Yeah, I mean, if the Giants end up with the number one pick. Yeah, I know, and I, I think, and Eddie, thanks for the call and thanks for the laugh there. I think that if you're the both the Giants and the Jets, I think they're in the same position in a lot of different ways, um, but different, but similar. But I think if you're either team, taking Trevor Lawrence is not going to you know, immediately turn your team into a contender. There are other holes that need to be plugged if you're the Giants or the Jets, or end or the Jets. Um, I just don't think drafting Trevor Lawrence is is going to help your team win a Super Bowl you know, anytime soon. I mean, I'm sure he's a great player, and we're also banking on the fact that he's going to be an immediate plug-and-play player. We don't know. I haven't studied him enough to make a decision about that just yet. Because um, we're clearly we're we're way far out. We're not there yet. But um, I just think that if you're the Giants or if you're the Jets and you have the luxury of having the first overall pick, 
which will be Trevor Lawrence, you have to trade down, especially if you're the Jets. You have to trade down um, and get more pieces. I mean, more for, I mean, get, may, wait for an offer that you can't refuse, right? We're in New York. May, wait for an offer that you can't refuse and, the, and then go from there. But I just don't think to take Trevor Lawrence and, you know, a little Google man, you know, when you go on Google and you do like Street View and you pick him up and then you drop him in. If you picked him up and dropped him into either of those two teams, it's not it's not going to help. It's I mean, it will help, but it's not going to be revolutionary for either of those two teams. And that's just my opinion there. John and Hazlitt, you're on the fan. Hey, good morning, Danielle. What's up, so, uh, as, per your twi- as per your Twitter, I guess you coach softball? Yeah, uh, it's called, uh, softball, volleyball. Taking a little hiatus, oh, okay, yeah, though. I, Taking a hiatus, but yes. Gotcha. So I coached off well, well. I'll give you a quick punting story before I get to my Giants point. Yeah. Um, I had a player go to punt um, on a rise ball. Oh. Comes up with 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 the mask on, goes through the mask, gets wedged, and actually oh. cut her nose down the bridge of her nose. Ooh. Yeah, we had to bang out the ball because it was completely wedged in there. So you know, punting is scary, but but when you have good ones, though, it can really make a difference. I know, especially, and- especially the slap punters. I got to tell you, I struck out on a rise ball one time. I still think about it. I was like, I don't know, in like freshman year, I struck out on a rise ball. It's the most devastating pitch I've ever seen in my whole entire life. And I, I, swung, I swung at it, and it was by my eyes. I couldn't believe it. I sat back down, and I was like, wanted to give the pitcher a high five. But go ahead. What do you want to talk about today? <laughs> so real quick with the Giants. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not a Giants apologist at all. I, I'm old enough to remember pre-Parcells years when they were bad and Hanley years when they were bad. Mm-hmm. Um, when they're bad, they're bad. But I think you know, this day and age of this kind of instant gratification, people forget that Eli was bad. Oh my Eli God, was not good when he first came out. Did you hack my notes? Because I literally, bad. I literally had inst- this instant gratification feeling. This is Twitter fingers universe. Yeah, yeah. I said, and I also Did made it? the point too. I said Daniel Jones and all these quarterbacks today are learning on the fly. Eli Manning had sat for ten weeks. Tom Brady sat for a whole entire season before he even saw any action. Yeah, and that's not that long ago. And, and, and listen, I do I think that if the Giants have Trevor Lawrence there as a possibility, is, is it a tough call? Sure. But, you know, I, I don't think this kid is as bad as people think. Yeah. I mean, he's got things he needs to improve. The truth of the matter is, they could have been 2-2, two and two, and they were in that Steelers game at, toward the end there. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it's they weren't, uh, you know, the 49ers game was, all these other games, they were in it. They were in it, and if he keeps improving, and he's on his second offense with his second head coach and his second OC in two years, it's not fair. Yep. It's not fair to start judging this kid just yet. You got to give time, and people want a Super Bowl right away. It's not going to happen. Agreed. Totally agree with you, John. Thanks for the call. Thanks. Yeah, totally agree there. I mean. I, he must have hacked my notes because I literally wrote down this instant gratification feeling and like enough is enough with this. I mean, the kids got to learn. I mean, I know he sat behind Eli for for a little bit, got some action last year when Eli was not playing, but he's also throwing to Golden Tate, who's on the back nine of his ten year career. He's got fifth round pick Darius Slayton, who was a gem, by the way. That's a little notch in Dave Gettleman's belt. Darius Slayton's a really good receiver. Evan Ingram is a bust. That's who that's who he's throwing to. And and then who? Who's after that? You got sixth round Damian Ratley. You got CJ Board, who was undrafted, and he started on the Ravens practice squad. That's who Daniel Jones is throwing to. Then you look at Eli's first year. I looked up, you know, who he was throwing to. 
just to be sure. First round draft pick, Jeremy Shockey. Second round draft pick, Amani Toomer. First round draft pick, Ike Hilliard. And that's how Eli started. So it's a little bit different. And also not to mention that Eli had an outstanding, outstanding offensive line that he went on to win two Super Bowls with. So, you know, a a little bit of patience here. Don't run Daniel Jones out of town, you guys. Not yet. It's growing pains. You have to give him a break. You have to let him develop. Giants weren't winning the Super Bowl this year anyway. We're just taking, or the the Giants are just taking, they're just taking the training wheels off this kid. Let's see what he can do when he can ride the bike on his own. Alan, Alan Brick, you're on the fan. Hey, how you doing, Danny? What's up, Al? Uh, you know, uh, so I laid a, you know, a hundred on, uh, you know, Judge did home run in the last three games, so he finally came through. For hey, me. Danny, you got a team. You got a team over here. Uh, yeah, you know the, the the Judge. How do you feel about Judge right now? Uh, about uh, the whole loss right now, the whole Yankee team. I mean, uh, you know, we had the big the big homers here and there with Labor Day and everything like that. But hey, well, how do you feel about the big Judge? Al, have you been listening to any part of the show? <laughs> have you been listening to anything about this? Um, how do I feel about Judge? I, we were, I know we were just talking about Giants, so but you were definitely talking about Aaron Judge. Uh, how do I feel about Aaron Judge? Uh, I feel he has a lot to prove still, to be honest with you. Um, you know, we're, we're labeling him as a superstar, but he really hadn't come through in any of the clutch moments. Um, I, I forget which game it was. Game three, the word, number three just popped into my head, but he came up in, in, the, in the last inning with runners on first and third, grounded out to third. You can't be doing that in a, in a close game. Um, and again, and I and I was looking at Twitter. I meant to, I did. I thought I said that the outside pitch should go to right field. He's trying to pull it down at third baseline. It's not going to work. So he's got to, a lot to work on. He he looks stagnant to me. I mean, he's not learning to put that pitch to right field. So I, I'm a little concerned about Aaron Judge. I'll be honest with you. Yes, for sure. Let's go. I think. Mike, you're on hold long, second Good longest. Morning, Mike, Danny. what's nice up, to Mike? Have you back. Thank you. You know, I'm sitting here and I'm laughing because I was asleep, but I wake up and they're gone. I said, "Good, I'm not a Yankee fan. Oh, I no. cannot wait until the papers are signed, the Will Pines are shown the door, take the keys and lock them." I am so glad to see them finally going. We have a shot next year to start to rebuild. Somebody with lots of money. And see where we go. Uh, yeah, Mike, and, and thanks for the call. That seems to be um, the mo of all Mets fans. I, I likened it before to like a, you know, like in a cartoon where where the person has like or the character has like dollar signs for in place of like eyeballs. They have like dollar signs that like pulsate. You know, that's what Mets fans are feeling right now. I know that. I know that, but I don't know if that's first priority. We were just talking before. I think uh, one is first priority is you have to beef up the uh, analytics department. I mean, that should be first order business already taken care of yesterday sort of thing. Um, The Mets have the second smallest analytics department in the league. Who knew, right? Um, I think once you find your identity, figure out who you are, then you can go and figure out what you need. Does that make sense? So in my opinion, I think the Mets are win now. Um, especially with the financial backing that they're about to just come into. And I think most of my reasoning, though, for that lies with, like, Jacob deGrom. I mean, obviously this is a guy you build around, but he's not getting any younger. Jacob deGrom is going to be 33 years old in June. And although 
I looked up his contract just to be sure. He's contracted through 2024, but he does have an opt-out after the 2022 season. So he'll be 34 that year. Would he opt out to go to a contending team? There's always that chance. And if I'm the Mets front office, I'm doing everything in my power so that he doesn't take that chance to go elsewhere. So with that said, sure, I'm going big game free uh, free agent hunting. Real Muto, bring him in. Bauer, Springer, let's let's see. The Mets could use Real Muto. The Mets could use Bauer. And dare I say it, Mets could also use LeMahieu. His, uh, his versatility, his bat. Because that's how the Mets are built. Mets are built differently than the Yankees. You got guys like Jeff McNeil that hit, you know, for average. You have Brandon Nimmo, Nimmo in Italian, but Brandon Nimmo hits for for average. Conforto's sort of in the middle. And then you got Alonzo, who, who also, you know, he's not like a John Carlos. I mean, he can hit a bomb, but he's not like a John Carlos Stanton where it's either hit a bomb or strike out. So I think the Mets are just constructed a little bit differently. Um, what about relief pitcher? What if they could pry Liam Hendricks from Oakland, right? I think we'll talk specific choices at, at, at another time, but all of those players are, are upgrades of, over what you already have. So we're not going to play fantasy baseball tonight, but one, beef up the analytics. Two, decide that you're a win-now team, because I think you are. And... Go big game hunting. See what you can get. Put put the reel out there and see what you bring back, what you cast back in. I think Real Muto's got to be their number one priority to try and pry him away from re-signing with the Phillies. And that's interesting, too, because do they sign? I don't know if they can sign both free agent Real Muto, the Phillies, and D.D. Gregorius. I feel like it's going to be like one or the other for them. Um, and, and, and I did like a little comparison, too. Like, if... If, in fact, Didi Gregorius does get let loose, would he kind of fit with the Mets? Would he be an upgrade? And I I might tweet this out to you guys. I have player A, player B, player C. Over the commercial break, I'm going to tweet this out to you guys and and see who would you pick, player A, B, or C. I'm not going to tell you even who they are, but they are all shortstops and either free agents or currently on the team. And you tell me which ones you want. Yeah, I'd be interested to see. I love doing this, where you don't know who the who the, who it is. You pick them based on. I I picked. I don't know. I just picked a couple stats that I thought were pretty important: fielding percentage, batting average, home runs on paper. You, you'll see it. You'll see it when I tweet it at Coach M C C A R T A N there. Um, and and I know Mets fans are are salivating and they can't wait for Steve Cohen to be approved. He's not approved just yet, but there is uh, there's no reason why or to, to believe why he wouldn't be. Approved And Rob Manfred said, because I, I wanted to know how soon this could take place. Like, will the Mets lose out potentially on free agents because of that? Because of the delay in approving him? But I don't think so. Rob Manfred said that we would like to move this along as quickly as possible so the Mets have certainty as they go into the offseason. And it's absolutely clear who's making the decisions about how the roster is going to be put together, what the budget is, and what the 2021 version of the New York Mets will look like. So... Best case scenario, the Mets are going to have equal footing just like the rest of the league. And with Sandy Alderson in, in place, who knows? More your let's go Mets, Yankees, Jets, Giants calls after the break. Get aboard. We got two open lines, Pat and I here. So 877-337-6666 has your name all over it. I'm Daniel McCartan here on The Fan. Fan. 
Coming up tomorrow, it's a Sunday NFL doubleheader on the fan. First up, it's the Giants and Dallas Cowboys at 425 with Giants game day at 210. Then later on, it's Sunday night football as the Seattle Seahawks take on the Minnesota Vikings. All on WFAN and Sports Radio 1019. WFAN-FM, New York. Welcome back, everybody. We got a little bit of the weekend on the weekend. Weekend. Oh, that was pretty good. Weekend number five here. NFL weekend number five, that is. We've got um, the Yankees eliminated from the playoffs. We got Mets fans ready to go free agent hunting. And I just tweeted out a graphic right before the commercial break. I told you I was going to tweet you out a graphic. If you head over to at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N, who would you rather at shortstop for the Mets? I put the little chart. Oh, I took a picture of my piece of paper that's right here. And, uh, and I'd be uh, curious to see what you guys think. Who would you rather have, player A, B, or C? That's at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. Your last chance to get aboard the call train, not the coal train that has uh, returned to station, but the call train, 877-337-6666. And uh, I guess let's just go right here. Bob and Syosset, thanks for holding. You're on the fan. Hi Danielle, how are you? How are you been? I'm good. How are you? How are you? All good. Good. I, I just I'm good. I'm good. You know, it's been, I think you know, obviously the last time I featured on the station was at the beginning of the pandemic, March 21st. And, yep. Yeah, and I, I remember. I just wanted to welcome you back, and I remember the last words you said when you signed off were, "Make sure you wash your thumbs." And you know, we've been washing our hands for this 20 second ceremony, and I always make sure I wash my thumbs. You know, <laughs> you needed to pull the mask up and down. So I was like. <laughs> I always thought about you, and I really was looking forward to you coming back. And when I heard there was a little bit different start to the program at 5 o'clock, they did the updates, which they normally don't do at 5 o'clock on the Saturday and Sunday morning. And I said, wait a minute, wait a minute, what's with the update at 5 o'clock in the morning? And I said, wait a minute, I wonder, I wonder. I wonder. So I turned the radio on, and, and there you were. I'm there here. I'm here. So that's cool. But anyway, as far as baseball goes, the last thing I think we talked about in baseball was the changes in baseball. And ironically, yeah. there were plenty of them, but none of them were in the uh, offing at the time. You know, so they they did a lot of changes in baseball. They were they were because of the pandemic, but uh, it was interesting that they did all those changes and we talked about the changes. And I'm still hoping that baseball can be uh, can implement a lot of different changes for its own sake and for its own well, future. And I and I listened to the. MLB network, and they were actually talking about it very slightly one one night, and they said, look, nothing really hurt. And in fact, I thought all the changes were pretty interesting and kind of fun, at least for this year, but moving forward, we'll see what happens. You know? yeah, yeah, Bob, you're talking about, I, I guess the top two would be the DH and the NL, right? The DH and the NL, and then the starting the runner at second base um, for extra hitting, well, right? Well, as far as the, the changes that they implemented this year, <clears throat> well, my, my thing is, I think that they could do something to make the DH a, uh, a powerful offensive tool, not yeah. just to have a slowpoke right. batting number five in the lineup. Yep. Uh, and I think they can do more with the DH. And I like the DH, but I also like the different skills that baseball players have. And I'm hoping that they can implement some of those skills into the DH position. So as far as just having a pure DH, I think there should be something about the DH that they can put into the rules. One thing I would like to see actually about the DH is have them bat ninth. 
I mean, this way you not necessarily want to have the big slow slugger hmm. that's uh, past yeah, a little bit of strategy. Time. Yeah, maybe you make the the it's like a second leadoff. So maybe you make the the quick guy like a yeah. Yeah, yeah good point. I, or, or if you want to, or if you want to put the big slugger in the nine hole, that's okay too. Mm-hmm. I mean, whatever you want to do. But I think if you leave if you put him in the if you make the DH have to bat ninth, then you could do a lot of different things, mm-hmm. and then you can also implement rules within the DH. Possibly. I mean, I've written a few letters to Manfred. I gave him my ideas. <laughs> Did he write back? The, uh, about the DH. Mostly about the DH, to be honest with you. About how you can implement a whole bunch of different dynamic Bob, did he, did he uh, write back to you? Uh, things, as, you know, to make it work. Uh, to implement more baseball skills into the program type of thing. Um, as far as the changes they made in baseball, I thought they did a great job, you know, just to get through the year. Yeah. You know? Very flexible. Thanks for the call, Bob. I appreciate it. Yeah, baseball was very flexible this year in order to uh, to make it work and to make it work in, in the best interest of the players. You know, I'm talking about the um, the runner on second, so the pitcher's staff is not decimated. All right, we got uh, we're a little bit up against the clock here, so that's okay. We got a couple calls here. If you want to get aboard, 877-337-6666. Bobby and Mayo Pack, you're on the fan. Danielle, good morning and welcome back. Oh, thank you. So, Danielle, about the Yankees. You know, even me, I'm waiting for the home run last night. You know, the Yanks, they've been doing that all year, last couple of years. They don't bunt the guy over. Mm-hmm. They don't hit They don't hit together a double or single. And the Yanks have won 95 games every year. Spending money doesn't buy you championships. It gives you a better chance to win. They win 95 games. Regular season, they beat up on a lot of bad pitching, and they get the numbers. And when it comes to the playoffs, you know, I'm a Yankee fan, but I expect, I expect this, and this is what happens to the Yankees every year. What do you think? Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, it's the feast or famine attitude of, of home run or strikeout. We've seen it played out how many times in a row now, Yankees, uh, Yankees fans and, and everybody. But how many times have we seen that? I mean, go back. There was a caller earlier this morning around, I don't know what time even, but he, as well as I did, looked back at all of the, the past championship teams, excluding the Astros, although they do fit the mold, that most of those teams are built around, you know, getting clutch hits in clutch situations and getting on base and, and putting the ball in play and making the other team make the mistake, in other words. I, I always say that to my teams. So, um, yeah, it's it's clearly it's not a formula that's working for the Yankees. They need to make a change, and that First thing that they should do this offseason, the very first thing, they actually getting off the plane, I'm sure they're maybe landing soon or, you know, maybe now. Maybe they're on the, maybe I'm talking to Brian Cashman right now, driving in his car back to his, wherever he lives. The first thing you need to do is you need to sign DJ LeMahieu. You should not even let him walk out the door uh, of the plane without a contract in hand. I mean, he, he is invaluable to that team, and I think the Yankees need to go out and find more players um, that are like him, that approach the game like him, especially in the batter's box. It doesn't hurt that he's very versatile in the field either. He could play basically pretty much anywhere you put him he could play. And uh, just a quick look at my, my little uh, Twitter, I guess. I should have made it a poll. But Mets fans, what are you picking? Shortstop A, B, or C? We got... Lots of votes for C and a few A's. Okay, so here I'll tell you. Player A is Jimenez. Player B is Rosario. Player C, Didi Gregorius. I could tweet that out so you can read it, but not right this second. But A, Jimenez, 
B, Rosario, C, Gregorius. There's there's the, uh, what's that called? The, the answer key there for that. <laughs> there's the answer key. Okay, uh, let's go to Jesse in San Jose. You're on the fan. Hey, Danielle, thanks for taking the call. Of course. Nobody wants Lindor from the Indians? No? Uh, I see him more as like a mid-season trade, to be honest with you. Like a mid-season okay. pickup. Okay. Well, um, the reason why I'm calling, the reason why I'm still up on the West Coast is because I'm just so frustrated with the Yankees. Not that they would have gotten through the next series, but that's not the point. The point is Boone just lost this in Game 2. With, with I don't even know what you call it. I don't even yeah. know what, what, what the thought process. I, I called it that. negligence, but, is what I called it. Terrible, <laughs> criminal negligence. Yeah. But okay, <laughs> game two is behind us. Now we're in game five. Why do you, why do you take your pull, pull um, Britain and put your closer in in the seventh inning? But I don't why know. do you take out your catcher and and put in? And put in Ford to be a statue, like I, I just I, yes, all valid questions that we are we have been trying to find the answer to since two a.m. here on the East Coast. We don't know those answers. I don't know. Well, who who is the we? When you talk about like Boone doesn't make the decision, yeah, it it's them or they make yeah. it as a group. Who 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 is who is in that group? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not privy to any information, but I know it's not Boone by himself. So I would probably tr- uh, assume that it's like Boone, a contingent of guys, Boone, a Cashman, probably a bunch of the analytics, I want to say nerds, a bunch of the analytics nerds with their laptops out and their spreadsheets out. Um, and, and that's what I think. And maybe a, maybe a pitching coach, maybe a bench coach, a batting coach, maybe. So they don't have a captain? Like, I mean, as in somebody well, who is actually in charge who says, this is what we're doing. It's I a guess, group effort. Yeah, I guess if it came down to it, I guess it would be Cashman has final say, is my guess. Um, but it's all collaborative. The word is collaborative now. Collaborative, collaborative. That's my well, guess. That's it. It's, it, it's, it's just, it's, it's just, you know, I mean, you don't have anybody who can get a clutch hit. You don't, the guy that could steal to get you a bag, he, they pulled they pull Brett out of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I know, I know that you're saying they should get rid of him, but I mean, he's, he saved a run off the board. I know, yeah. Um, yes, he's a good defensive. Uh, Judge is the only one who put a run on the board. Yep. I mean, tough, I, I know. Mean, Yankees are in a tough spot, Jesse. Thanks for the call all the way out there in California. Uh, we've got about five minutes left of the program, so let's go with Andy in Plainview. You're on the fan. Good morning. How are you? What's up, Andy? So this is a little bit of therapy for me. So I totally agree <laughs> with you, LeMay, who has to be signed. Yeah, immediately. You, you, you hit the nail on the head. This series was lost. On Tuesday night, yep. we don't have the pitching to win against the Astros, so it's a little bit of a fantasy for anyone who thinks we did. Yep. But I don't think we have the right number two hitter either. I mean, Judge is not a number two hitter. No. I mean, he proved it with his sub-200 average in, in the postseason. Yeah, and I think so I, I was thinking maybe, about that on the drive-in, too. Why is he batting second? I think just purely to get him more at-bats and more chances to break the game open. I think that's the mentality. I don't agree with it, but I think that's what their thought process is in putting him there. Well, listen, we, we need the station-to-station strategy of the teams of the 90s Agreed. and early 2000s because that, those are the teams that win, and those are the teams that win in the playoffs. And, and the pitching, huge hole. So, I don't know, is Trevor Bauer the answer? Or who's out there to, to help make a difference and get this team on the right path? Because the window of opportunity for it's this closing. group is closing very quickly. Yes, yep. you're right. Yep. So, yep. So it, it's very frustrating, but in my heart of hearts last night, I knew even if we won that game, we're not going to win the World Series, so it's almost better to have it happen now. I agree with you. It's almost better to lose to the Rays than to the Astros. 
for sure. Yeah, so, thanks for the call. All right, well, pr- appreciate the time. Yeah, Be well. You. Yeah, and and he's right. I mean, he's right on all of it. All, all of that is correct. And we don't know what the Yankees are going to do in the offseason, but LeMahieu got has to be priority number one. I think at that point you might go relief pitcher first, then starter, because you are getting Severino back, you know, eventually. And I, this might be the last one of the night. Andrew, or the morning, I should say, Andrew in Allendale, New Jersey, my neck of the woods. What's up, Andrew? Hey, Danielle. Good morning. It's always a pleasure to hear your voice. Always well, thank you. Thanks. Um, just, you know, with the other calls going back, I just don't – Boone, I don't have confidence. He didn't get us over the hump. You know, they got rid of Girardi. Yeah. There was issues there. I think Boone is just a puppet. Tuesday night was a bad patrol after Tuesday night. You know, they, that decision really affected the team again. Like the other caller said, we had bases loaded. We did game three. You know, uh, Cliff Frazier comes up, bases loaded, out. You know, we don't go for the knockout. And under Boone, the last... You know, if you look at this season and last season, oh, we don't need the, we don't need home field advantage. They lost the stretch. It plays up. I don't think Ford is the guy to take us to the next level. And I've said this before. He was handed the keys to a Cadillac. Yes, yes. And he hasn't taken us there. And, yes. You know, it starts with him now. If you're telling me that, like, everybody's been saying, you know, the analytics and, you know, everybody else is making the shots, then that's I, – I don't see how it's not working for us. And as the fans, it's not working. And like the last fall just said, yeah, Houston, I didn't see, but it goes back to the coaching too because Houston, after everything they've been through, they still are motivated and they're playing in the championship. Here we are. You'd think our coach would have said, guys, we got to win, we got to do this. It's nothing. And that game two, I don't care. I would have preferred Garcia to get out there, let him get his feet wet, if we, we if we lose one game, I don't mind it. You know what I'm saying? But at least he the season. He got the experience. And to pull him out and half is not on board, I just don't think Board is our guy. And, you know, granted, Cashman likes it because it's his puppet. But for the Yankee fans, it's not fair because, I mean, it's sad. I should say it's sad again. Next year, God bless the Mets. With Cohen by the team, I hope the God they blow it out of the water and you know, maybe, you know, that will be a wake-up call to Cashman. Like, look, now they got it order. They're serious about winning. And look what they just did. The tides are going to switch. Now we're going to be at, you know, feel it now. Yeah. My Mets fans have been for the next couple of years. And the Mets, God bless them. You know, I wish them all the best with that. Andrew, thanks for the call. Love, love the passion there. And, and it, it could very well be, and it might already be, that Queens will be the destination for free agents and, and big-name players and big stars uh, next year and moving forward. I mean, we could very well see that. Um, I do not see Aaron Boone going anywhere. I, I really don't see Brian Cashman going where, anywhere either. So it's it's up to them to kind of figure out what the best strategy is moving forward. And I think we've hammered it home time and time again here tonight that the Yankees need to get away from what they're doing because it's not working. Wow, we had a ton of callers tonight. Thank you so much. We could have not done this without you. Pat and I, that is. Um, it feels great to be back here, guys, everybody. I hope to see you guys all very soon. Maybe one of our football teams will win a game by then. We'll see. Maybe, maybe not. I love coming here talking with you guys all the time. Great job to Pat Boyle, as always, behind the glass, holding it down. Kevin Dexter on the updates. You got Richard Neer, the legendary Richard Neer, up next. Want to listen to any portion of the show from tonight? Get the Radio.com Rewind feature. And in the meantime, you guys can hit my socials and maybe you can take a look at that Mets poll and, and what everybody else is saying. At Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N, Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. Let's keep it going. See you guys soon. Sports Radio 102.9